Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. What should we talk about? I mean, look, we don't have the highest recruit ever to come to Indiana football happening in the last week. We don't have the a, second highest recruit well, ever in the history. Yeah, we don't of have that. <laughs> we don't have the highest ranked out of state basketball recruit since 2016 to talk about. We don't have an impact transfer that decided to come to Indiana. We don't have somebody leaving uh, the transfer portal to stay at Indiana. So it's really been boring. That's my point. I mean, what's going on? It's just boring. This is this is it. Like, we're going to have this high, which, you know, I'm a big fan of, to, to, <laughs> to keep us in a good mood all summer. But it does make me think, thank goodness, we... <laughs> We really established this whole show and everything we're doing. We're talking about with players and and people from the past because we're kind of set right now in the present. There probably isn't going to be a lot to talk about for the next few months, um, as far as new personnel. Any like every stone has sort of already be been unturned, and I hopefully for for football, obviously maybe there'll be one more player in or out on basketball but it's like yeah it's going to make sense we'll we'll need to start talking to some people from the past because the present is so good we can't get angry about it and yell at rabbi about it and um these these people who we've gotten to talk to thus far are going to be really busy getting ready to play sports in the fall and winter. So we don't want them talking to us too many times. And we know they don't want to talk to us too many times. (laughs) I I do want to take exception to one thing you said. You said that every stone has been unturned. No, every stone's been turned. Right, that, yeah. No, you misheard me. No, 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 I didn't. (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you did. I I think one thing- Will you edit it in here? Will you edit it in here? Yes, you, you want to, so the people can hear that I was right and you were wrong? Well, I just want the people to hear what the reality of the situation was. Yes, I will definitely say that that I will definitely edit in exactly what I said. No stone has been left unturned. Oh, now that would be correct. Yeah, that's what I'm going to edit in. That's why I just said oh, it right there. Oh, you're going to edit so that I, in. Yeah, so I have it available to me. And there's um, nothing you can do about it. There is one stone that has not been left unturned that came up on pigs.com recently. And of course, I want to get into this stone, but we would only know that 
because our show is powered by Like angels. They're just, how do you make it fit our stupid reactions? I'm glad you asked because what I had to do last time was to put our reactions into slow motion. Like <laughs> I, I slowed it down to like 80% to yeah. time it out. I and as, it. as we were doing the reactions this time, I was like, shit, what I meant to have us do this time and moving forward is just play it on the phone so we can time it out. And, and then Funny I just dub it over. It's funnier this way. And I think it's just funnier <laughs> us looking stupid and you putting it into slow-mo. So the stone that has not been left unturned is this seven-footer who shoots 40% from three in the NAIA uh, League of College Basketball who wanted to go pro and is apparently seriously considering college. He's got one year to play. And apparently Indiana is in on this recruitment. And I understand it's Kenya Hunter, which makes me feel very good about any recruitment. And what I did want to bring up is, first of all, how awesome it is to read that information and see a breakdown. And Rabbi talks to his coach and like we get all the information. But the big thing that I saw online was so many people on Pigs being so angry that we would be like forcing a kid off the team so to make room for this guy. Right. I have so many things to say to that. Number one is we were 12 and 15. We were 12 and 15. We haven't been in the NCAA tournament in five years. Okay. So my starting point is just make us better. Just make us better. Okay. Get the best players. Now, the second side of that is I want good kids and I don't want to screw over kids, but there's a huge missing piece that I think people who are all up in arms about it are forgetting. There may already be someone there who doesn't want to be there. Sure. There may be somebody there who's already talking about, man, how am I going to get minutes next year? Yeah. Like, there may be somebody that they've already talked to that isn't 100% bought in. We don't know. Let's let them figure that out. Like, we cannot, as fans, I'm not, I'm not, fans can do whatever they want. I'm not going to get caught up in that. Like, you know, I know everybody has a bad taste in their mouth from the creaning situation that we had, but sure. that's not that is not what's happening here it's not this pattern of stuff that we've seen my god coach woodson's first priority was trying to keep everybody on the team everyone yeah Yeah. we lost one well i mean i guess we lost two we lost two we lost joey who went to a better situation to get minutes and we lost armand who was told he could come back he didn't want to and you just said it to me why this really makes sense we lost joey we lost the biggest dude on the team. And yes, I know we all understand in the new age of college basketball, somebody who's so strong like Race Thompson can step in there at 6'8 and play the five 
primarily, especially if you're, you really are having Trace play the four and be one of the, the four out. Uh, but we're still in the Big Ten. And even if the Big Ten is going to be evolving in a kicking and screaming fashion into modern basketball, thanks to the likes of Juwan Howard and Mike Woodson, the fact remains, this guy is not only pushing seven foot, his wingspan's even longer than that. Seven, six, seven, and, six. he's Falcon. He's Falcon. It's like if, if, if he went like this, his, his, his fingers on one end would be at the tippy top of Manute Bull's head <laughs> and his other fingers would be at the base of Manute Bull's feet. Yeah. Like that is a whole lot of real estate to take up. And I'm so, I love that we're getting all these shooters, guys who are in the, the mid sixes range, but to have one of those guys in your, your back pocket, whenever you need it, or even just to spell trace or race, it's like, yeah, yeah, we could find, we could find minutes for that guy. And he can shoot threes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like he's a unicorn. Now, look, <laughs> I, we're, none of us forget Bawa Maniru, Jeremiah April, Tijon Job, Guy Mark Michelle, like who never. Hannah Perea. Hannah, like, yeah. I mean, we all remember the big man that really never panned out that was more of a project, Peter Jerkin. But. This yes. dude seems like he's a real player. And the other thing I like about this guy is he's not like an 18-year-old kid. He's been playing. I think he's like 2021 20, already. If they can get this guy and, and they think, and I trust Woody and Kenya and Dane and Kochia and Thad, and they're looking at this guy and thinking, I don't care what the competition is. This dude can play. Yeah, I'll take a seven-footer who can shoot threes and also <laughs> block a ton of shots. I'll take that. I'll take and that any day of the week. And I think the other thing people do overlook is the concept of of redshirting, which doesn't happen as much these days unless there's a medical reason for it. But or if there's Purdue. a Purdue does a ton of redshirting, he's been and that's a, working out for them, isn't it? Yeah, but that's, that's not what this kid would be. No, no, I'm saying somebody else on the team. If but if you, don't, you can't do that, you, you still have the scholarship. That so doesn't so, you, that doesn't get you around the scholarship number. Okay, so so if this kid's to come in, somebody absolutely has to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Which, I'll be sad for somebody to leave, but if they want to leave, then then they leave. Like, I mean, and, twelve and, and fifteen. And I don't. And I know the Indianapolis Colts are a professional organization, oh, and we're we talking go. about we college kids. But it's it's competition. It's competition. And at the end of the day, if if somebody's going to take your minutes. You should go somewhere else where you can get minutes and you can do what you need to do. And Indiana should be the best basketball program it could possibly be. Because as my good friend, Eric said, we were 12 and 15. And I also want to say this, like people comparing it to like the creaning. Mike Woodson didn't put this team together. He put some of them together. Yeah. And part of, and maybe the fatal flaw, honestly, maybe the original sin, sin for Archie Miller was the fact that he did not reconstruct the team immediately. Right. Like the fact that he did not go for McKinley Wright because he was worried about APR issues. He was, and by the way, those were worries. They weren't guarantees. They were right. risks, but he didn't do it. And he kept guys like Clifton Moore and went after Jake Forrester and kept, you know, Al Durham. I was, I was bullish on Clifton Moore. That really blew up in my face. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is like, 
that you could easily trace back a huge chunk of Archie's problems to that decision in year yeah. one. Mike Woodson cannot make that same error. Right. There are ways for him to make the team better for 2021. He should make every one of them, as long as it's not compromising the institution in some way, which and, it's not. And to be honest, I think after his first season with so many of these players he retained who he did not recruit, he should be able to take an honest look at it and be like, you know what? I really thought I could make these guys work in this, this way or that way. But these two guys, they, they just couldn't make the leap over to what we're trying to do here. So even if there's some turnover after next season with guys who should have been able to stay for another year or two, but they, they just don't have what, coach Woodson needs to run his system I would be forgiving of that too if once it's all kind of his guys and things are going and then he's like you know what uh, this guy's been doing everything I asked of him but this guy over here is a little more talented let me push this guy out to get this shiny new thing well then it'd, it'd start to feel a little bit mean yeah. um to do that to college kids but I'm with you I feel like he's already done such a great job at trying to keep these guys and make them feel wanted and needed. But at a certain point, Mike Woodson's job is to win basketball games. And once he he has gotten to decide really who are the best players to do that, then we can start judging how he gets people to, to leave his program. Um, I'm going to cut forward a little bit because this comes up in our conversation with our interviewee today. But one thing that I always hated during the Archie era was the first couple of years and even into year three of, well, these were Crean's players. Right. That was used as a crutch for our, our poor performance. You don't hear that even whisper when it comes to this staff. Like, and the guy that we're talking to today makes a point like, no, no, these are our players. They're Indiana players, which means they're ours. It's we. And, and I just think that the way college basketball works, especially this year with the transfer portal, that argument is just out the window. The team is your own. I agree with you. There should be latitude for him to continually remake the team after the second year. But if he has to do it for this seven-footer, then so be it. I mean, like, I wish nobody on our team ill will. Anybody who represents the school well, like even Armand, he represented us well for two years. I, I think it was a bad decision for him from a life perspective because who knows what's going to happen in Virginia in his NBA career. And he's foregoing being taken care of by the Indiana fan base, the way the alumni base, the way that we do with former players for four-year players. But regardless, like I don't wish anybody ill will, but we need to make the team better. Mike Woodson needs to have the latitude to do that. And again, we have no idea if there's already somebody on the team who's not really bought in and thinking about entering the transfer portal. People are still entering the portal every day. So and, I'm not and, worried about it. Yeah, that's the, because now that they are getting real time together on the court, and I'm not sure how much that is and for how long, but it's still a feeling out process. So I think that's a great point you make that somebody who liked what Coach Woodson had to say and Woody saw their tape and was like, yeah, I think you can work in this way. They may already both be figuring out, oh, this isn't quite what we were hoping it was going to be. So maybe it's in both parties' best interests to divert um, our paths. But I feel like we 
kept looking at these last couple of years liking the parts more than the the sum liking the individual players more than how they all meshed on the court and that's whereas when archie got there it was like yee the good players we had are gone and what is this mess but archie's keeping them anyway and just okay grabbing a couple more players along the way with each class as those guys filter out I, I even the 12 and 15 argument doesn't hold that much water for me because I feel talent wise, we were definitely better than 12 and 15 last year. I agree. I agree with that. We weren't good enough. The talent wasn't good enough, which is why look at what's happened this offseason. Yeah, I, I think we had enough talent to make the NCAA. I agree tournament. with you 100%. You know, and so now let's let's unlock all those guys get them working in a way where their individual gifts and the team chemistry and flow are all much greater and then we'll really see what we have 20 30 games into this season the other really quick thing i wanted to touch on with pigs that makes it like the most exciting time to be following pigs is aau season is happening and you got rabby and you got Peegs, and you got Trevor and Eric Bossy on the national level, but you got these guys in their absolute happy place. (laughs) Like, let's be honest. They like covering the Indiana games. That's not what makes them happy. They like being in stank high school gyms, community centers in April and May and June and July, covering the who's next in basketball. What it's what Mike said with one of the events, he said, the Peaks team is here in full force. Like everybody's like, I'm going, I'm going. I don't know if they all carpooled together or came individually from wherever they were at, but they were like, we're all going. Every one of us are going to get out there and do what they haven't been able to do for a year. Yeah. I mean, in fact, longer than a year, you know, because- because the season was, I mean, really, it's the first time they've covered AAU since the AAU season of 2019. Yeah, the late so summer, right? Two years. Yeah. So, and you just, you get their updates. I, I live for them. Like, I, well, who, who, how did Jalen Washington play today? You know, what about this Leon Bond? Are we going to get him? Like, it's very exciting. You hear the new names pop up, the guys that we will be stressing and obsessing about for the next six months and the next year until they make a college commitment. You hear the 23 names that we're going to have like the long lead recruitments on. It's really fun. I love it. And what, makes it so much more fun than say the summer of 2019 reporting is in 2019 it was like well we probably won't get that guy (laughs) (laughs) but right now i feel like we could potentially get anybody we go after it does feel like that we've got a, a puncher's chance at everyone where it didn't feel that way i mean you know we did shows about it where it was like why are we even wasting our time with that guy? That it doesn't, we're not going to close that deal. We have yeah, no it, shot at closing. It felt like if somebody got, if somebody was like between 80 and 130, it's like, yep, that's our sweet spot. We might get half of those guys. Yeah. And then anything above that, it was like, unless they were born an hour from Bloomington and had been recruited every day for three years, we weren't going to get them. And even the last time that happened, we didn't get them. So it's like, great. 
Now, now we are really banished to the second tier of recruits. And why do we have a shot now? Why do we think we have a shot now? Because of what's already happened with Tamar, with with Miller, with Xavier. Uh, but then there's this wild card that we have really yet to see play out in a full recruiting cycle of is what Coach Woody has to offer as a human being. And with his experience, how can that go up against Coach K, Cal, Izzo, Self? Because painter. one of those – Painter, yeah, Painter. I mean, let's, sure. let's, let's start at home. Holtman, Painter, Matt. Well, and I didn't know if you wanted to save that for maybe another episode of another show. Do we want to talk about Painter's most recent commitment? I don't want to talk about it on this, but maybe okay. we'll save that for something else. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. It, it hurts so we'll, a little, but we'll 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 save we'll save that. But I think you're right. I am so excited to hear about Mike Woodson's first in-home visit. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. want to hear what it was like when Mike Woodson walked into a living room. And I have that in my mind's eye. I see it as somewhere around Indianapolis, and there's a family in the living room, and and Woody he doesn't come through that door. It, it's like he enters he through enters. that door and he takes up most of the door frame. Yes. And then there's this, this presence and, and serenity and confidence that then fills the room and he sits down and everybody's at ease and, and just feels like their favorite uncle is here to say, I got this kid for the next four years and that should make you feel really good. And, and like in Godfather two, when Hyman Roth is at his birthday and they bring him a piece of cake and he says, smaller piece. I have an idea that they offer Mike Woodson some Entenmann's coffee cake and he's so <laughs> comfortable with himself that they bring it to him and he looks at it and he goes, smaller piece and makes them go get him a different piece. <laughs> he owns the room that he is in and is just settled in. Like it, I am so excited to hear about what that experience is like for some of these kids. You don't anticipate a, a Kyrie Irving situation? Where Mike Woodson drops an upper decker in the <laughs> in the bathroom? A Mike Woodson upper decker, a plumber would have to come out. Maybe a bathroom would have to okay. be redone. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm just so excited for it. One other quick update. We're less than 30 days away from voting opening. We're less than 30 days. We've been gathering more um, email Thank submissions you. on epfortrustee.com. But we're less than 30 days away. We're going to do some interviews uh, to, to talk more in serious terms and fun terms about what we're doing. Videos will start rolling out. But guys and women, we need your help. We need to make that email database as big as it can possibly be, epfortrustee.com. My only goal to be trustee is to be the voice for so many of us who have no idea what the Board of Trustees ever does, feels disconnected from the inner workings of Indiana University, wants to blow the door wide open on that and voice the things that we all want for Indiana University, voice our frustrations, and be in a position to help turn them around. That's all I want. So we got 30 days left, less than 30 days before voting opens. So I need your help. I got an idea. Feel free to say no. Sure. What if we took questions for you as the candidate? Uh, we could take them over a pig's thread, 
obviously on Twitter, and then I could ask them to you here in an intro segment. We could even do, uh, if, if, if there's a ton of them, we could do two or three or four over the next few episodes between now and the time voting starts. So you really could answer specifics because I think there's probably a lot of people out there, whether they're interested in a, a particular aspect of, of IU that we haven't been thinking about or been involved with, that not only will they be able to hear your take on it, but in a lot of cases, you're like, oh, this is something people are really curious about or concerned about. You can do a little digging on it and then come up with you know, a, a platform, if you will, beyond what's on the website, what you've already talked about, because I think it's very strong and all-encompassing, but somewhat general. And I just know it gets so into the minutia with with how a university functions and all the different competing departments and philosophies that could be a really cool way Let's for people for people who look if they're like me they're mostly just concerned about how basketball does and then our other favorite sports but the, i know there's some people who really really get into the minutia and this would be their opportunity to see not only that you are going to take that seriously, but also to get a, a, a handle on what your feel is, what your point of view is on it, at least at this stage. Um, nah, let's not do that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut that out. <laughs> Absolutely. If you get the, if you're listening to this and you want, you have a question for us, for me, for, for the trustee campaign or the trustee position, DM us on Twitter at Hoosier hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I, but the sometimes why No, see, I wasn't doing our joint thing. We do that at so the end. Fast. So, at, fast. so fast. So yeah. fast. So you can DM us. We'll put up a pigs post about it as well. I'd be happy to answer questions. And I also want to say this. Because I'm sure most people that run for these things, they just pretend like they have all the answers. I do not. You will ask questions, I'm sure, that I do not have enough knowledge to answer in a wise and thoughtful way. But what I can promise you is, if it means something to you, and it's an important issue, and I agree that it is important, and there's, there's support for it being an important issue, I will do the research and find the answer and find what my position would be. And I'll be honest with you either way. You may not end up agreeing with what my position is, but I'll be, I'd be happy to listen to your position and I'm gonna be totally upfront and honest and transparent with you on what I'm trying to do behind the closed doors of the Illuminati, I mean, Board of Trustees. <laughs> and, and there's somewhat of a tabula rasa thing, a blank slate probably with you on a lot of these issues that maybe other people are really focused on. So if you're asking Eric one of these questions that he might not already have an opinion on, this is your chance to really influence him before <laughs> anybody else does. Uh, that'll be fun. So look, man, we got to get to today's interview because Ooh. it's one that uh, a lot of people did not think we would do. A lot of people wanted us to do. You and I have talked about it from the beginning that regardless of what our opinions were, we wanted to do it. And I just give him and Indiana and Mike Woodson a ton of credit for coming on. There were no ground rules. I want to make that clear. There were no ground rules for this interview. We were allowed to ask whatever we wanted, discuss whatever we wanted. And I think you'll see from the interview that we did and he responded in kind. So I'm just really grateful to everybody for this happening. And I hope those of you who... I hope those of you who agreed with what my position was going into this have an open mind the way I did in doing the interview and the way Ward did. 
And I hope those of you who vehemently disagreed with me, and those of you made that very clear, I hope um, I hope you give this an equal chance to see uh, someone who who took a different position than you and had a respectful conversation with somebody. So I, I hope on both sides they enjoy it. And like whenever we get to do one of these, particularly with the new member of the family, it's just really exciting to get to know this person because everything else is something we read or something we heard. And here he is. Please enjoy getting to know him. We certainly did. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Coach Woodson brought a holy trinity of assistants to Bloomington. We've got one of them with us here today. Eric, would you care to tell the fans at home exactly which one it is? Hailing from Atlanta, GA, as I like to call it, Hotlanta. I think that's what people like to say. By way of Douglas High School, where he was All-State honoree each of his final three seasons, helped lead the team to the semifinals of the 1993 Class 4A State Tournament. He played for the number one ranked Okaloosa Walton Junior College in Florida. Did I pronounce that right? Nice. Uh, From there, transferred to Oregon, where he played in 58 career games for the Ducks. He was a recipient of the John Warren Award, which I really appreciate and want to talk about because that award is given to the most inspirational player on the Oregon basketball team. I really couldn't play. That's really what it was. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Sportsmanship Award. Exactly. (laughs) I I won plenty of those. Okay. So four-season professional career in Brazil while also working on his degree. One of my favorite things about doing some research here is he returned to Eugene after his professional career, completed his degree, which by the way, he had to take calculus to finish his career. We'll get into that. He earned his degree from Oregon. He was an assistant coach for two years at the Redlands Community College in El Reno, Oklahoma. He helped that team advance to the National Junior College Association's championship game. Five seasons at Oregon, where he moved his way up from director of basketball operations to assistant coach under Ernie Kent. He went to the Elite Eight in 2007. He coached three future NBA draft picks. He took a stop at Seattle University in 2010 and 11 to play or to coach with Cameron Dollar. From there, an Indiana connection from 2012 to 2014 was an assistant at Samford with Benny Seltzer, who spent some time at Indiana as an assistant, went over to Georgia, another kind of Indiana connection pre-Tom Crean, where he was there for three seasons before moving on to Alabama to be part of Avery Johnson's staff. He coached first round draft picks, Colin Sexton, Kyra Lewis Jr., He coached the SEC Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year, Herbert Jones, in each of the first two seasons at Alabama. And after that, was doing his own business where he was training high-level athletes, including five-star talent Jabari Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, this this is a gentleman who has paid his dues. He has worked his way up. He's gone left and right and up and down and back again. And he is the newest assistant coach at Indiana University. Please welcome Yasir Rosemond. Good. That was pretty good. You like that? <laughs> we forgot one stop though. What did I forget? Portland State. I was at Portland State for two months. Two well, <laughs> we, we draw the line at three months. You gotta be somewhere three months before we really care about it. All right. Yeah, Portland State. All right, yeah. before before we get into anything, two personal things we have to get out of the way. Number okay. one, happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. But a more important birthday is the birthday that, the real birthday that happened not too long ago for the two little Rosemonds that are behind you. Yeah, twins. Can we see the twins? Yeah. 
There they go. What What are their names? Jaleel and Jace. Jaleel and Jace. Now, can you tell them apart yet? Yes, I can. <laughs> They're not identical, so I can tell oh. them apart. All right. Okay. And and where you so quickly found them the perfect cute little IU onesies was that you're uh, doing? Did somebody send those to you? That was mom. Mom worked it out. She figured it out. She got it quick. Amazon is amazing. <laughs> yes, it is. Very nice. Yeah. Now I, I have to ask. So you're doing our Zoom. Your back is literally to your children. Yes. Mom they are is on their there. own already. Mom, where is mom? Mom, she's over there. She's All right. Like, mom's there she too. She won't come on camera right now. All right. I get it. Well, tell mom we said hello. <laughs> she, she said hello. so are you getting any sleep uh you know what they actually only wake up uh probably once through the night so they're actually eat. doing really good to eat and then they come back to sleep and they wake up about six mm -hmm. which I'm, a, I'm an early bird so they're they're you know what i mean so they they're actually doing really really well keep your fingers crossed and how, how many months are they three okay great you are great in it. and these so, are your first two right First two. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Well, now, <laughs> so uh, I'm guessing you're all obviously there in Bloomington. Where are you in an apartment, a oh, hotel? Right now, right now I'm in Dallas. They were in Dallas. They haven't been anywhere since the pandemic. So they've okay. been here wow. with the grandmother. Got it. <laughs> got know, it. Grandmother got and mother it. not letting them get on a plane just yet. Sure, sure. And Wait, so we're not going to get in the car. I tried the car deal. I tried the car deal. Maybe eleven hour car ride. They weren't going. <laughs> now, <laughs> no, are there differences? I lost that battle too. Are there differences between the two, like temperamental? Can you tell a difference in personality yet? Yes, one acts like mom. One acts like me. The nicer <laughs> one acts like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Mom may want to come on camera for something like that. Like that's just, <laughs> really taking a oh. shot early. Trust me, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. <laughs> well, congrats on the babies. Happy Thank birthday you. to you. Um, let's talk about Bloomington and let's talk Ooh. about what's going on with you right now. You know, fans, we, as fans, we just can't get enough of just knowing what is going on with the program. There's tremendous excitement surrounding the program, the likes of which people like Ward and I, who are in our 40s, haven't seen. Uh, since we were born, so, <laughs> not that long. Not uh, Coach Cream wasn't bad. It wasn't well, bad. No, there yeah. were moments. There were yeah. moments. That hasn't been the consistency that you guys are used to. Exactly. So, tell us what is is your head still spinning from being there? What what are what is taking up your time day to day? Well, you know, we just been working. Obviously, with this transfer portal, man, you never know who's on your team. So basically, we've been trying to get acclimated to the guys. Um, trying to just make them feel comfortable, make them feel warm with the new coaches. Just let them know that things are going to be different. You know, Woody is different from Archie. Nothing bad to say about Archie. Archie carried the program where he had to carry to. Good job. I know I've known Archie a long time. Good, good guy. Good ball coach. But there's a difference between him and Woody. And we just want to make sure these guys get acclimated to us and understand what we want uh, moving forward. Well, and it seems. One of the first things everybody started talking about with Coach Woodson when the uh, hire was announced was what a great human being he is, what a warm person he is, how how well he connects with other people. Have you seen that to be the case? And, and how are you seeing that between him and the players specifically? I think what sums it up, I think everybody saw the tweet the other day where he went back to the Knicks. That's who Woody is. I mean, Coach Woodson is a 
players coach. Um, obviously, he's a guy that he's demanding. So don't get it twisted. He's a nice guy, but he's demanding. And he um, he's going to get the best out of his players. But he's actually just been trying to be around those guys, let them understand his personality, trying to tell them what he wants, and just kind of making it fun for them. Because obviously last year with everything that went on, the pandemic, then you lose your coach. You know, some of these guys hadn't seen their family in three or four months. So really just trying to, we got the warm and fuzzy going on right now, to be honest with you. Just trying to get those guys past last year, past some of the things that went on. Because the pandemic, it was, it was stressful for everybody. Adults, mm-hmm. kids, you know, and those guys, they played through a pandemic. Um, probably had aspirations of going to the NCAA tournament. Lost the last, what, five or six games in a row. It, it was, it's been tough on them. Then you lose your coach. Then you have guys going into the portal. So you don't know who's going to be there, who's leaving. So right now it's kind of the warm and fuzzy and just trying to get these guys to get acclimated to how we want to play and our system. So before uh, we get more into basketball, I do have to ask this. What do people call you? Is it Coach Yah? Is it Yah? Is it Yaz? What, what is the official nickname that we can call you so that we can pretend we're friends with you? Coach Yah. Just Coach, Coach Yah. Yah. Coach Yah good, yeah. All right. Where Coach did that start? Uh, it, it started back when I started coaching at Oregon. And they all just called me Yah. And Ernie, who I played for, called me Yah. No yeah. one ever called me Yasir. No one's ever said Roseman, Rose. It's always just been Yah. So... It just carried on. All right. And is, is, is there any carryover? You're an Atlanta guy with the outcast, the Hey Ya. Is that like your theme song? Do people bring that up? <laughs> you know, I've had people bring that up back in the day. Not not much, but I have had people bring it. Bring well, that up. look, all I'm saying is when Hoosier Hysteria hits, and hopefully it's a big deal this year, you may want to use that as your entrance music. You may want to do it. Hey Ya. Okay. I got it. Okay. It's not bad. <laughs> All right, I, I do want to tap into something you brought up about uh, Coach Woody with the Knicks and that thing. Now, obviously, your job as assistant coach is really twofold, right? It's to develop the players you have, but we all know it's about recruiting and it's yeah. about bringing in people. Yeah. When you saw that video, how quickly did you send that to recruits that you were recruiting? I think I was the first one to retweet it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it only had like it was like a minute, and I just retweeted it. And then I started sending it to recruits just to let them know, um, because they're going to be, as you guys know, you guys have been around for a while. Recruiting is is cutthroat sometimes. So you're going to have the people that say, "Well, he's been in the NBA. Can he recruit in college? Can he do this?" You know what I mean? So now when you send that out, that lets you know, "Hey, man, this guy's a players coach." And that Knicks team is really a young team. Very. You probably have, I don't think you have many guys over 25 that came over there and hugged me. So obviously with the NBA being younger, NBA is in some respects younger than the NCAA. Right. Younger <laughs> so, than Wisconsin, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So he's going to be able to deal with young people. I think the recruiting part of it, obviously, as you can see, we've gotten a couple of good guys out of the portal. Um, also got Tamar who I can officially talk about a little bit. Just yeah. to, uh, we have him um, signed to a letter of intent. But Coach Wilson is going to be fine because the one thing that Coach Wilson does, he cares about kids. And now more than ever, with the portal being the way it is, guys being able to transfer, you're going to have to be able to connect with your kids that are on your team. And mm-hmm. I think Coach Wilson is going to do a good part of that. And we're going to have fun doing it. He's going to be demanding, but we're going to have some fun too. So it's not going to be you know, life or death. You know, sometimes these kids, they miss a shot as life or death. 
You know, right. they have a turnover, it's life or death. Obviously, you know, it's going to be intense. We don't want to turn the ball or we want to make shots. But at the end of the day, we're going to try to have some fun too because it's, it's just as important as recruiting players that are in high school and in the portal. You have to recruit your team too. Right. You're always going to have to re-recruit your team every year with the rules being the way they are. When you're talking to potential transfers or recruits, you have to scramble pretty quickly to come up with your pitch. And I'm just kind of wondering, where you've got the NBA side of things, you've got this great video, you've got the style of play you want to bring in, and you have this incredible program you're now at. How much fun is it oh, to, to have this new pitch with all these arrows in your quiver? Well, I tell people this all the time, and like you guys, I grew up in the eighties. I mean, Coach Knight was one of the coaches that I really wanted to play for. I actually wanted to play for John Thompson, John Chaney, and Coach Knight. And that's wow. the God and honest truth. So a lot of similarities there between those exactly. three. Exactly. Well, probably because I needed some discipline, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going for the guys that, that were disciplinary. But um I you, I mean it's a blue blood. You know, when you're coaching and you're going through coaching, there are schools that you look at that you dream of being at. You know, for, I mean, obviously you guys don't like me to talk about this, but you got Kentucky, you got North Carolina, you got IU, uh, who am I missing? Kansas. Kansas. UCLA. UCLA. Those are the Blue Bloods. If you look up Blue Bloods, Indiana is there. So when you get the opportunity to coach at one of those schools, there's not anybody that won't pick up your phone call. Now, not to say they will come to your school, but I feel like there's not anybody in the country now when I'm looking at the top 100 or whatever it may be, and I call and say, this is Coach Roseman from Indiana University, they're going to listen. Now, they may not want to come, but they're going to listen. You got 18,000 screaming fans. You got a fan base that stretches across the nation. So, I, I mean, it's, it's been a blessing. Like I told people, man, I sat in my car and cried for 10 minutes. Well, let's. I want to. I want to talk about that because you talk about how good Coach Woody can be with kids, and you've seen that a little bit already on Zooms. You know, you haven't even seen an in-person visit yet, but you've seen him yeah. on Zooms. I have to imagine Woody in a living room of a a, a high school kid is going to be impressive. But let's talk about your relationship with with Woody. When did it start? Because it's not like you've known him for a very long time, right? So walk us through how you met him, how you got connected to him. It's funny, I met Coach Woodson, and people won't believe this. I met him at the airport before, in Atlanta. He was coming from somewhere, and Coach Woodson being who he is, he sat there and talked to me for five minutes. He was waiting on his bags. I was waiting on my bags. He wasn't coaching the Hawks then. I want to say it was after the Hawks. And kind of had a conversation. Boom. Um, I met him again at another function, but it was in passing. That was also in Atlanta. And I would see him at this restaurant in Atlanta a lot. It was a seafood restaurant. And just walk by and speak, not, not even knowing that we would ever work together. And then a great, one of my mentors worked with him with the New York Knicks and Kenny Payne. So Kenny Payne's my mentor. We worked together at uh, Oregon. Um, I didn't even know Coach Wilson was getting a job. I wasn't even thinking about IU. And obviously we had a couple of conversations and we kind of got to know each other. We had some mutual friends in the business and he just offered me the job. And when he offered it to me, I was, I mean, like I told you, I, I couldn't believe it. Like when I came on my interview, I didn't think I was getting the job because he just said, hey, I want you to come up to IU. I said, okay, I'll be there tomorrow. Or when you want me to come? Like, 
It wasn't like an interview process or anything. Even though I was coming on the interview, I didn't know. Mm. Came to the office, we sat in there and we talked and he offered me the job. And I mean, I couldn't believe it. So how you had it. Did you, you accept you, it? No, oh, how quickly did I accept it? I don't even think I really got a chance to accept it. It was kind of, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like coast wishing fashion, you know, all right, so this is what we're going to do. We've had these conversations. This is what I'm looking for. And it was already like, I was already a part of the program, the way he was talking wow. to me. So That's I'm awesome. like, okay, am I, do I got the job or not? <laughs> so he, so gave me, he gave me the job and then I had to go back to uh, Indiana because I was well, in Indianapolis. So I was in Indianapolis, my hotel was in Indianapolis. And when I walked to my car and I sat in my car, I literally sat in my car for 10 minutes because I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. I, because I've watched IU throughout the years. I mean, you always watch those programs. You always, because they're always on TV. You always watch Kansas, IU, Kentucky. They're just always on TV. Whether they're good or bad, they're on TV. And I was sitting there and I just, I didn't even know who to call. So I just cried. Mm. And, it, and what's going through your mind? Because obviously it's a, a prestigious job at a blue blood, but are you just thinking about the whole career, the highs and lows, your family, like what's going through your mind as that emotion's well, pouring out? Obviously everybody, you know, remembers the little situation that um, the little FBI situation and you guys are free. We'll, feel free we'll to get ask. into that. We'll get yeah. into that in a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah, feel free to ask about it. It was, everything had came full circle because I knew who I was. I knew who I was as a person. I knew what I had done in this business. I knew the success I had had. And it all kind of went away a little bit with the conversation and that's it. So I kind of had people that was a little bit skeptical of me, like some of the IU fans. And sure. when I sat there, it was just like, okay, God, you gave me another opportunity. So it was just, that's really what I was thinking. Like I got another opportunity. I want to just, I first start thanking God and it was like, I didn't even know who to call because I, I didn't believe it. To be honest with you, I didn't believe it. I, I is it, is it your wife like, back there? Your wife yeah. was like, me, you should have called me right away. <laughs> I did call her. That's how she got the, uh, but I told her to wait. I say, wait, we got to make sure everything's good. Make sure everything goes through. So. Um, I can't imagine, yeah, the, the emotion because look, Ward's got two kids. I have three kids. When you have a kid, you the emotions are just you're an open flood you know oh the floodgates are open i never thought i'd be this emotional in my life I promise right you. right you but crying, you, crying when they were born like right. on, what's wrong with you but <laughs> but then you also at least i remember i did when i had my first son he's 13 now but you have it and you're like it's emotional because you can't believe what's happening yeah. but you also start having those thoughts like i now need to provide for somebody yes. else yes. And, yes. and leave and set an example and all that and, you know, I know you had a, a good thing going in Atlanta, but I think you would probably admit it's not exactly the same as being an assistant coach at Indiana. Oh, it was not. I promise you. <laughs> it's just, it's just gotta be, um, it's just gotta be so fulfilling, you know, yeah. in that moment. And again, the, the emotions, I understand how they just washed over you. Yeah. And it was just, it was a blessing, man. It, it was a blessing. I'm excited. I'm excited for the new regime. Um, obviously I have nothing bad to say about the old regime, even before, I mean, I know, I know Indiana. Now I don't know it as much as someone that's actually been there or lived there, but I remember Indiana being in Indiana because I, I know exactly where I was when Keith Smart hit shot. Yes. Yes. 
So like, I know where I was at. And no. I know that day, it's funny, I, I was younger because I was rooting for both teams. But when he got the ball, I was like, yes, we're going to win. So I was, that, I was that kid. I was that kid. Even, even if that's not true, it's a good pitch. No, <laughs> it's true. No, it's, it's the God not true because I like, I actually like Derek Coleman. I sure, thought sure. Derek Coleman was really good. But when he, you know, Keith Smart, I was like, okay, that's the guy I could be. I knew I couldn't be Keith. I knew right. I couldn't be Derek Coleman. I wasn't tall enough. Right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you take the job. You have to get to Indiana. And I was struck by something that, that I really am curious about. You get the job, it's announced, you come to Indiana, and there's videos on Twitter very quickly about showing you work with the team. You know, yeah. you're working out with the guys. But what was interesting was you get there and Coach Woody is in New York, right? <laughs> like you yeah. guys kind of like are two ships passing in the night. And yeah. all I could think about was, how does Coach Jan know what to tell the team? Like, did they all get together and Woody tell them, don't say this, or this is how I like to, like, what, what are you doing with the guys that you feel like you're confident in that you're not going against your boss? Well, you know, you got the Zoom. You got, right. you got Zoom. Um, they had already had workouts. Fife, Kenya, they had already had some workouts already. So I was really just filling in and we were just, basically what we're doing right now is fundamentals. Just working on pure fundamentals how Coach Wilson wants to play. Uh, we want to kind of play an NBA style. So we're actually just trying to work with these guys on their skill sets, shooting. I know you guys are going to probably ask about shooting. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, that's coming. We've, we've done a lot of shooting, ball handling, bigs handling the ball, bigs shooting the ball. So it was really kind of easy because everybody kind of work on – the basics are pretty much the same everywhere. Now, when you start getting technical and, and, and kind of what you want to do offensively, it gets a little bit different. But for the most part, we've been working on shooting, ball handling, and things that, that are conducive to what we want to do when the season gets started. Now, with shooting, is that something where it's the offseason now? Is this the time where you can tinker with guys' shot, with their form, with their footwork? Or, or, or how, do you, how do you make it better? I think footwork. I think footwork, it's kind of hard when you get when you get a guy that's 18, 19 years old that has been shooting a certain way for mm -hmm. a long time. So you may be able to tell them to get some backspin on it or something that way, but I don't think you can actually reconstruct the guy's shot into something. I just don't think you have enough time. That's just my opinion, not saying that that's right. There's okay. many ways to skin a cat. Uh, I think these guys need some confidence. And I think these guys need confidence from everywhere, you know, even from the fans a little bit. You know, with social media being the way it is, you, you can miss five or six shots and you're the worst shooter ever. And it, it wasn't that way when you and I was in college. Right, so right. I think from a standpoint of confidence, these guys needed some confidence. I mean, they, they, they read everything. It's a gift and a curse. The social media is a gift and a curse. Um, so we really have been really trying to work on their confidence because they're not bad players. They weren't that far off. Indiana basketball is not that far off and they weren't that far off last year. They just... They, they lost a couple games. And winning is hard. Winning is not easy. And I know it's hard for fans to understand this because in the 80s, you guys were winning all the time. Us, we, we. I'm sorry, I keep saying us. In the 80s, we were winning all the time. 90s, we were winning. And, you know, it stopped a little bit. Then you had some winning with Coach Kareen. And I think Archie, in my opinion, had we not had the pandemic, they would have been in the tournament. You know, a couple bounces here or there, and I'm probably not at Indiana University. So 
there's a fine line between winning and losing. I just think these guys need a little bit more confidence. The system is going to be a little bit different, so it's going to take a, a second for them to get it. But I think these guys are going to be fine. I think these guys are going to be fine. You, you are a classy guy to not uh, say anything negative about the prior staff. And the truth is we became friends with them. We, we yeah. like them personally a lot. And, and I know them. And I know. We all know each other. You know, we, guys. we've been coaching together for so long. We've seen each other in passing. And, you know, Coach Wilson will say this all the time. You guys get to talk to him, I'm sure. Coaching is hard. It's yeah. not as easy as people think it is. It, it, it's really hard. So the one thing I've always prided myself on, I, I never try to say coaches are bad coaches, you know. Sometimes it just don't work out. Sometimes you get the wrong player. Sometimes you go to the wrong place. You know, it's a lot of luck involved. Yes, so. totally. Now, what I was going to say is that we are not that classy, especially when it comes to current coaches. So you have now gotten a full dose of Dane Fife for a couple of weeks. Oh, God. Is he, is he the craziest SOB? I don't want to curse because you've got mom and kids in the back. But Snacks. is he the craziest SOB? Snacks. I understand new, that the name is his, Snacks. His new name is Snacks. Yeah. Because <laughs> he is always eating snacks. Whether it's an apple, a cookie. He has these, um, what are they? Mangoes. They're like frozen mangoes. He eats them out of a cup. He just always eats them. Always eat them. Always <laughs> eat them. And it's, I mean, he's he's hilarious. But the one thing about it, he bleeds out you. Yeah. Bleeds it. And I remember him as a player. The guy, I know the guys that played on the scene, AJ, yeah. Jeffries, those guys are from Atlanta. So right. I actually remember watching Dane, and he brings that same toughness every day. He That's brings great. that same nastiness every single day. And he has a lot of pride in this university. And, and I love him for it, but whew, he's crazy. One thing, about him, one thing, you're going to always get a good story. <laughs> he's always going to be eating. Yeah, the, but the <laughs> problem is the stories last two or three hours longer than they should. Yeah, they're going to last a little long. They're going to last a little like, Hey, I like to talk too, so. All right, good. Um, <laughs> but then on the other side, another guy we've gotten to know and fell in love with is Kenya Hunter. Great guy. He's just a stud. Like, Great what guy. is Kenya like in the office and just behind the scenes? He's been so helpful, man. He's like, uh, King, it, it's so funny. King take me to lunch every day. All right, I'm buying lunch. I'm buying lunch. I can I can buy my own lunch now, man. <laughs> Think I'm, right. I'm gonna buy you lunch today, but he's been awesome. I've known Kenya. Like I said, we it's been it's been crazy the last two years or the last year and a half because we haven't seen everybody. Right. So right. It's, really, it's all like a brotherhood. It's all it's, it's like a fraternity because we usually are seeing each other the whole spring and summer. Mm -hmm. I mean, you become best friends with guys on other staffs because hey, you just see them in passing. You're sitting down at the games. You're in the hotel. You come in late night, you're eating at the, at the same bar at two o'clock in the morning because that's the only place that, that's open. So I've known Kenya for a while. Great guy, great recruiter, great coach. Um, I'm just, I'm excited about the staff. Wait, wait where is he taking you to lunch? What, yeah, that's the thing. What? Where do we go? Oh, God. Have you done I, Buffalo's? So I've been to Buffalo's before, but I went with Benny to Buffalo's. Okay. Benny, oh, okay. Oh, so, yeah. Nice. Benny took me to Buffalo's when we, um, when we came to play in, in, in Indiana, sure. beat us to sleep. But, uh, <laughs> All right. Well, you got you got to hit up. Has have you been taken to Little Zagreb's yet? No. I, I, okay, that's if you like steak. So, that's so you have to ask B Walsh. B Walsh knows all the places to eat. So yeah. I haven't really figured it out yet. Okay. I just go. I just hey, yeah. You want to go eat? Okay. Yeah. Where are we going? All right. Cool. And I don't eat. 
So it's funny because they always tease me because I don't eat beef or pork. Oh, oh no beef okay. at all. Yeah, so I don't eat any red meat. So I, I'm really a pescatarian. So they always tease me in the office. Oh, we got to get some salmon for y'all. Oh, we got to get some fish. <laughs> Where can we go where so y'all can eat? I, I tell them all the time, I can always eat a salad. You know? Yeah. But well, you little, little Zagreb's has you know uh, lobster tails. Either. You don't eat chicken either? Mm -mm. Lobster tails, though. How about a big fat lobster tail? I'll take that. Little Zagreb's. Little they got Zagreb's. those too. Just yeah, get yeah. the surf of the surf and turf. Yes, the right. surf of the surf and turf. Okay, I got you. Um, so uh, I, I do want to just ask a couple more questions about what's going on now. I would imagine that when you got the job or when it when it started becoming real, that it was a chance for you. Or uh, like you said, it happened so quickly. You started watching a bunch of film, I would, I would guess. And yes. has there been somebody or a couple guys that now you've seen in person that have surprised you the most from what you saw on film and what you're seeing in workouts? Uh... Trace is really good. Yeah. <laughs> He's a really good player. Um, Christian. Christian Lander is is probably more talented than he's shown. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, he came and he should have been in high school last year. I actually had a player at Alabama that was the same way, Kyra Lewis. He came early. Mm -hmm. um, there's always an adjustment, but the, the, the biggest thing that we had when Kyra came at, to Alabama, we had an older team. All those guys were seniors for the most part. So they had been to the program and now he was really, really good. Don't get me wrong. Cause he still let us in scoring, Yeah, but he had all the guys that really helped. So there really wasn't a whole lot of pressure on him. Um, Jordan Geronimo. Whew. I mean, if you could draw a guy <laughs> want to look like he would be it, but all the guys have been great, man. Race has been awesome. Awesome leader. He's just an adult, right? Race is man. just a man. He has been great. He's been great. Parker's been great. Like all the all these guys have been really, really good. They've been welcoming to me, uh, welcoming to the staff. And I think they just want to win. Yeah. I think they want to win. I think they want to feel what it's like when Indiana's winning. Because that's what everybody talks about. When Indiana is winning, there's no place like it. I don't care who it is. So I'm ready to get back to that. And I think they're ready to get back to it too. Now looking at tape and film it's not just with the team you have on the court now that's what you have to do to a lot of the assessments for for recruits and transfers yeah. so i i wonder without being able to do any of that in person go to an aau uh tournament there's a little bit of that going now but for the most part you're still doing that on the computer what do you look for in that where where you know it's it's difficult to not be able to have the interaction. So what instead are you really focusing on the tape to tell you if these guys would be a fit? Oh uh, well, I've been a little lucky because I've been out. So you I have. have I actually saw a lot of AAU guys. I saw a lot of these guys play live. Mm -hmm. Um so I've been lucky in that. Um right, because <laughs> you were able to do that because you weren't on staff yet. Exactly. I wasn't on staff, so I was able to go out and look at guys put your mask on and just roll out and, and, and watch some games. Um, really, you're just trying to look for guys that fit what Woody, what Coach Wilson want. Um, so that's really what we've been looking for. And also guys that can fit into Indiana. I mean, you could have a guy that could be a top five guy, but he may not fit Indiana. He may not be able to function at, on Indiana's campus. And I think a lot of times in recruiting, and I think fans sometimes, they get lost in the number. Sure. You know, and a lot of times, okay, that number is there. Um, and I hate to say this, and this is not a bad thing. Sometimes when you're ranking some of these guys, you got to realize the guys that are ranking these guys, they, some of them have never played basketball before. 
Right. One, some of them don't know what you have at Indiana. Two, um, and some of them don't know the character of some of the kids. And that's not a knock because even as coaches, we 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 do the same thing. We try to rank guys, and sometimes we rank guys, and they're not they're not highly as ranked as, as we thought they may have been because we bring guys in and they sometimes they don't pan out. But I think you got to find guys that fit Indiana. They have to fit. They have to be able to function on Indiana campus. It's forty five thousand. Yeah, students. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's forty five thousand students. So they got to be able to function on Indiana's campus. They got to be able to function in a team setting. They got to be able to, to function day to day. And they got to be guys that want to be functioning members of society. So those are some of the key things that we're looking at when we're looking at these players. And we have really good guys on the team. Like we don't have bad guys. So you also want to bring some guys that also fit them because they're here. They're here. They're our team. No one's trying to push them out. They don't have to go. They're going to have to fit a new system that Coach Woodson wants to, wants to do. But at the end of the day, those are our guys now. They have become our guys. They're not Archie's guys. They're our guys. They're Indiana's guys. So we got to put our arms around these guys and make sure we bring some players in that fit what they're trying to do. All right, so what we're trying to do. I'm sorry. Yeah, what you're trying to do. Um, so we're going to go back because we want to get your origin story and how you found basketball a little bit. But before we do that, I do want to address the thing that you brought up, the 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 incident that kind of derailed your career a, yeah. a little bit. And I want to be totally honest with you here. You can be. When your name came up, I had no idea who you were. I had never yeah. heard of Yasir Rosemond before. <laughs> uh, I follow Indiana basketball religiously. I do not follow the rest of basketball religiously. Yeah. So I Googled your name and I see the ESPN article that, yeah. that lays out what was divulged in the FBI trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, uh, I was down on it. I was not yeah. in favor of it. I, I thought <laughs> we're Indiana. We don't need to do that. Um, there are plenty of other assistants out there. Even mm-hmm. if Yasir is good, why are we going with a guy who was implicated in an FBI investigation? And no. when I read about it, what I read from it was you went into a meeting with a guy who was a known, let's call it just cheater, Christian yeah. Dawkins, mm-hmm. who served time for yeah. bribing people and providing money to recruits. Yeah. And the way the story was read is he told you uh, on tape that you're recruiting some guys that need some Forgive the yeah. language, mom. Yeah, that's what he said. Need some shit. Yeah. <laughs> and your response was, whatever you need, I, I got you. I got no dog in the fight. And it seemed from my perspective that that was an attempt to do that, to transact. Yeah. yeah. And I was vocal about it on the message yeah. boards, on Twitter. I didn't like it. Yeah. And there's a portion of the fan base that was like me, that yeah. was like, we're Indiana. We don't do that. We shouldn't yeah. So I want to give you a chance to respond. Why was I wrong? Or, you know, was I wrong? And when you look back at that, well, let's start there. Why was I wrong in feeling? Well, I was never investigated first by the NCAA. I was never investigated. Uh, I was forefront about the situation with Alabama. And the, what you have to realize, the transcript, you can't hear the whole transcript. So you don't really hear the conversation in between. Okay. And a lot of people don't realize, and this was the most frustrating part of me. That's it's funny now, because you read some things where they say, "Well, we wasn't, we weren't trying to uh, get him to because he didn't have any players on his team." Right. So I had Colin Sexton, who went number eight. 
Kyle Lewis, uh, John Petty, Herb Jones. So there was never a conversation about money. He just said that some guys need some shit. And what people have to understand, and I think I explained this in the article before, and Coach Wilson will probably be mad at me because he don't want me to really talk about it. Um, but, but I did tell them that I would ask about this, yeah. just so you know. Like, uh, I, it's I okay. It's okay. I, I have nothing to hide. Right. I think what people have to realize is there's an underbelly of recruiting that you're going to talk to bad people. You have a choice. You want to make this choice over here, which can get you in trouble, or you have to make the right choice. But you're going to have conversations. So there's always going to be those conversations because you always have people that are looking for things. And I've never been a guy that's going to give somebody something. That's just me. I'm not going to jeopardize my livelihood, especially not now with right. my voice. So I'm not going to jeopardize my livelihood to give somebody some money that could take me out of something that I love to do. And you don't get to hear the whole conversation. So, so what, what happened, can you help us? Yeah, fill it in for us. What was the part of so the conversation that we didn't get to hear? You don't, he asked me about players in Atlanta, who wants to go to the NBA? And Christian Dawkins is, was trying to, from what I gathered from someone, is he wanted to, he wanted to open an agency. I want an agency, I'm trying, I'm a new guy. Who are some of the guys that's going to the NBA in it, from Atlanta? And I gave him the ninth, and that was it. Basically, that's, that's basically the gist of our conversation. It was never about him giving me any money. I don't know, I didn't know who Marty Blazer was or any of those guys, like I didn't know any of those guys. And I really didn't know Christian. So it really was, my friend asked me to go because the guy was trying to open up an AC. He want to know who out of Atlanta is going to be going to the NBA, who are the one and dones. And that was the gist of the conversation. Like did he, you, Did you know going into that meeting that Christian Dawkins had this reputation of providing money to players? No, not really. Cause I didn't really know him. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know him like that. The, the guy that I knew who I won't even, cause I can't mention his name and sure. I won't throw him under the burst. Sure. But, he just asked me, hey, man, this guy, he wants, I know him. I know Christian. He's trying to open up an agency, whatever the case may be. He wants to talk about some players. I was in there six minutes. Mm. So, I mean, you make it seem like I was in there a lifetime. Like the, it makes it seem like I was in there a lifetime. And then I left, and I never talked to him again. Do you, do you look back at that and think, do you regret anything about what you did in that? Do you regret even going into the meeting? Like what, if you could go back and redo, and I don't mean go back and redo it because uh, it came out. I mean, like personally, do you look at anything and go, I wish I wouldn't have done that? Uh, I mean, it really wasn't been a, wouldn't have been a bad thing if you didn't have FBI sting agents in there. So it wasn't like a, you know, looking back on it now because of the result of it. Yeah, yeah. sure. Because well, it cost it cost me, like, people start start to think that you are a guy that don't do things with integrity, integrity, right, right? And that's just not who I am. So at the end of the day, if I look back on it, yes, oh man, I shouldn't have never done it. But I never did anything wrong. When it all came out on TV, I walked over there to the compliance office at Alabama and I told them, "Yo, I was in that room," and people don't understand that. So if you no. But if people don't call Alabama, they wouldn't know that. If Indiana does not call the NCAA and the NCAA tells them, yo, man, this guy, there's nothing wrong. He's been trying to clear his name forever, like for the past two years. But we don't have a letter to give him because he never did anything. And so, like, that's fair. That's what people don't understand. I never, I never done anything. So Alabama has always, if Avery Johnson does not part ways, with Alabama, 
I'm still coaching at Alabama. So when you're you're now at IU, which uh, of all the programs, we still we feel pride in in running a program the right way. Is there something you can take from even that situation you got put in quite innocently where you will be able to better suss that out and avoid it in the future? Like, wait, who do you want me to meet with? And why yeah. before yeah. you talk if, if to the somebody? Guy, if the guy that asked me wasn't, wasn't a guy that I trusted, I wouldn't have never done it. Mm. And if I wouldn't have had, I had 15 minutes. It was in between games. I had 15 minutes to do it. So it was never going to this meeting. This guy wants to talk to you about money. This guy wants to talk to you about it. It was just like, he trying to open up agency. I mean, right now, kids are going to be able to deal with agents now. With the new rules, kids can talk to agents. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we have relationships with agents. And the reason why I have relationships with agents is because I've had guys to go to the NBA. Sure. So I've been in the room when they get ready to pick what agent they're going to, you, you have to have a relationship with agents. Now, you don't, have, you don't need to have those type of relationships that they're talking about with agents, but you're going to have relationships with agents just from the standpoint of I've had guys that I've recruited that have gone on to the NBA. And if you're in those meetings, you have to be in those meetings to help them choose the agents. You build relationships with those guys. So, but to kind of answer what you said, yes. I mean, I'm not meeting in no room with nobody. I mean, that's just, <laughs> it's just as simple as that. I mean, it, it cost me, it hurt. Because when you have people looking at you that way, you know that you try to do things the right way. I've worked for guys that do things the right way. Like I worked for Mark Fox. Mm -hmm. You couldn't, if, if it was illegal to give water to the recruit when they came, we weren't, we weren't giving water. And I've had coaches that tell you, if you do things the wrong way, we're going to fire you. Woody has said the same thing. So it looks worse than it really is because there's a, if you really go back and dig into it, there's a lot of people that are coaching that went in that room a lot, mm -hmm. you know, a, a whole lot. What they do is they try to take out sound bites. Okay. Oh, he said this. Okay, cool. We can put that out there because you know, that's all they put out there. They don't put the whole conversation out there because they don't know the whole conversation. So it's kind of unfair sometimes what the media does, but the media has right. to do a job. So, and I understand that, but you guys know as well as I know, the power of the pen can be very, very dangerous. And Fair I, I always fell back on, I've never investigated by the NCAA, ever. I've never been investigated by the NCAA. The NCAA has nothing, they will have nothing bad to say about me. And I think the frustrating thing for me in the beginning with the Indiana deal was, this is Indiana. We all know what Indiana has been through in the past. Do you really think that Indiana would hire me if they didn't do their due diligence? They're not that dumb. You know what I mean? They're just, they have too much to lose. Uh, I may be that dumb. I may <laughs> be that dumb, but Indiana is not. Um, yeah. I do want to ask you uh, a second part and then we'll we'll leave it alone. And I appreciate your transparency and, and honesty. I don't, have, I don't have anything to hide. I love it. So this one's a little bit more complicated. So that's the first thing that you find out about Yasir Rosemond when you do some searching on him. The second is really tied into Kenny Payne and World Wide West. Okay. Now, tied into Kenny Payne, I worked with Kenny Payne. Okay, right. Kenny Payne is that's he has something with Wild Wild West. That's not me. Do okay. I know him? Yes, I know him. But Kenny Payne is somebody that I worked with for six years. He talks right. so to the business. At, this, at is, at this is this is great to to understand because yeah. for Indiana fans, there is the thought. 
first of all, there's the thought that Kenny Payne and World Wide West are the same person. So mm -hmm. like they're tied at the hip. No. And there is a thought and a perception that Kenny and World Wide West, especially with the tie to Kentucky and the way that we perceive Kentucky to do business over the years. Yeah. And I understand they've never been brought up on charges. I get all that. But there mm -hmm. is a perception that they do things in this gray area of college basketball recruiting that we've never been comfortable with. Many of us, some are, some totally are. Oh, yeah. some people really want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you got cast with that shadow also. So what I want, yeah. what I would like you to do is like, who is Kenny Payne? Why should we not worry about that? What's uh, your relationship there? And I think you just clarified what your relationship is with Wes, but help us kind of ed educate us on that. Kenny Payne is a great man. Or, and you can see that by how he's dealt with players at Kentucky. And I think Everybody that gets players are going to get a bad perception now. If we start getting players at Indiana, trust me, people are going to say that you cheated to get them. That's just the way, that's just the way of the business. Like, so I don't know what they do in Kentucky. I don't have any, all I know is Kenny Payne, Kenny Payne taught me the business when I, when we were at the University of Oregon together. We were at the University of Oregon, way on the other side of the map, my alma mater. And he's always been a great man to me. He's always been just, outstanding with kids and that's just i mean you can see that by julius this year i mean right. julius is, is probably gonna be a first team uh first team with all he's an MVP candidate. And, and he's a guy that he taught me the business of working kids out and building relationships with kids building relationships with them by helping them work on their game when they get to college their their dreams are to go to the nba those are their dreams so okay how do you help them with their dreams Hey man, you got to get in the gym. We call it sweat equity. You got to have sweat equity. And there's there's not a if you ask around college basketball, you guys anybody. I don't care who it is. Anybody that's been in Indiana and and fans can look at it any type of way. They can. If you ask about Kenny Payne, there won't there probably won't be one person that will say one bad thing about. Him. Mm -hmm. And that's just except that he was at Kentucky. That's a really bad thing it. for us. Exactly. For us. <laughs> exactly. And I and I get the rival. I mean, right, it's right. a rival, and they've been good. And and but the, but casting him as this like figure in the underbelly of college athletics, you think is an unfair characterization? It's unfair. I think a lot of coaches get that unfairly. Some coaches get it justly. You know what I mean? Yeah. But some people are not doing the things that everybody think they're doing. You know what I mean? Let's just, and, and I'll just clear the record here, and I'll just say this. It's Kentucky, okay? And I know it's kind of hard for IU fans because we want to, hey, we want to turn back to be that because we got five championships too. But at the end of the day, when you're putting out one and dones the way they are, I mean, you don't really have to do anything. You, you're recruiting one and done guys. Okay, you get one. Okay, the next one going to come. The next one going to come. The next one going to come. That's just, it kind of starts to repeat itself, and you don't really have to do much to get them because a lot of times, Schools like when I was at Georgia, we weren't really recruiting one and done. Right. You no, know, I had a relationship with Colin Sexton before I got to Alabama. He didn't want to go a long way away from home. He didn't want to go to a blue blood. He ended up going to Alabama. He was a one and done. It just, you know, if you're a one and done guy, what's the school that you're going to go to? If you guys got kids, and obviously you're IU fans, so just take that part up out of it. But if you were a one and done person, and you, if you had a son that was one and done, well, you're looking, okay, what school can I send him to to go one and done? He's going to be done for a year. 
You guys probably can't say it. I can't say it because I'm IU, but I mean, <laughs> you just have to look at it that way. Well, no, but but yeah, if, if you're asking me as a parent, if my son was a one and done, where do I send him? It's to whichever school is paying me the most money to send him there. Personally, I want to enrich myself. But I don't want Indiana to do it. All right. Okay, so. I got you. I got you. I got you. All right, look. Well, I, wait, no, I want to just co- yeah. connect the dots there finally. And then you said Kenny Payne was your mentor. Mm-hmm. So is is that and and clearly he and Coach Woodson had relationship through the Knicks so he saw not only all all the good that you had done under his wing and when you went out on your own but also that you you had some really bad luck and and you were in this room and out of context it looked bad and it really hurt you so is it is it true that Kenny was the one who said hey you really need to look at my guy yeah because he got a bad rap and he really has a lot to offer you in the program is that is that how you became uh, in front of Coach Woodson as a candidate? I think that had a little bit to do with it, but if I'm not mistake, mistaken, um, every coach that I worked for, Thad Mata called. <laughs> you know, Coach Mata called a lot, of, a lot of the coaches that I worked for. And I think Coach Woodson brought my name up. I was in a pile. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, through God's will, got through the pile, because there's a lot of guys that wanted this job. A lot of guys that wanted this job. And yeah, Kenny may have mentioned my name, but at the end of the day, I think it was a collective group as far as, cause I think everybody was like, man, Cosmata called, Cosmata called, Cosmata called. And I'm like, well, I know Cosmata. I mean, he was trying to get a job at Alabama when I was there. Mm. But at the end of the day, Lord's will, man. That's how I look at it. Obviously I think Kenny Payne and, and Woody, he probably mentioned my name. Well, I know he mentioned my name to Woody, but I know Kenny Payne very well. He's not, he's not he's not the type of person. Oh, man, I'm telling you, you need to hire this guy. That's not who he is. Okay. Like, he's like, hey man, I got a good guy for you. You need somebody that can recruit for you. You need somebody that's gonna have your back. You need somebody that's gonna be loyal. He's the guy that you can take a look at. And then that's kind of how. I I want to bring up one final post that I made because it was negative, and okay. I want to be honest about it. But but also because I want to touch on the subject. There was a back and forth going on on message boards and stuff about you when your name was bandied about before you were hired. And somebody was like, well, where has he been for the last couple of years? And of course I had no information on where you had been. I knew you weren't in the college basketball coaching ranks. And I said something like, well, he was probably searching up late night infomercials to find a service that would wipe out the last two years of negative press so (laughs) that he could, you know, get back in. And, and I said it in, it was, it was a cheap shot. And, and I said it because I was angry that Indiana I thought was going down a road that we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But, but I am curious, like, it did change your life. Those two years. Yeah, I did. Wh- how, were those two years really painful for you? Did you try to get back in and you felt like uh, you were hitting a road? No. Well, a lot of people don't realize I was still getting paid from Alabama. And mm-hmm. then there was not a job. If I would have took another job, I lost my whole paycheck. Well, but wouldn't Alabama have made up the difference? No, because I didn't read my contract. So people out there, make sure you read your contract. Oh, so your contract was not offset. It was just, no, if you take I, a job, you job. stop the money. If I, take a, if I take another job, I stop getting paid. But coach, so. yeah, but but because I've seen contracts like that in, in what I do. You're a coach. You want to coach. If yeah. a job had been offered to you that paid you the same amount or close or even a little less than what Alabama, wouldn't you have taken it just to get back in? It wasn't one that was that close. Mm. 
Just, and that's that's what without the bulging amount of, of money. But was that because uh, of the fallout? No, I had I had some jobs that were lesser jobs. That I just felt like at that point in time, I don't want to go take a lesser job and be trying to get back to that level again. Because I've been at jobs before. When you're when you're in this business, when I was at Portland State, I was trying to get to the highest level. When I was at Junior College, I was trying to get to the highest level. I don't want to take a job and just be taking it for like a year to just go. I'm every day instead of doing my job, I'm trying to look and see, okay, who's getting fired over here? Maybe I can get that job. I wasn't going to do that to somebody. Fair enough. And I wasn't going to give Alabama the amount of money that they were paying me back unless <laughs> I got a job that was worth that money. Sure. And now yeah. in, in that space, though, you're getting to do some stuff you otherwise wouldn't with individual workouts and some AAU, if I'm not mistaken. Think- so what, what were you finding in in spending that time doing that, connecting with players that that now is coming into play that you're back coaching at a high level? Well, I'm sure you guys read the article and everything. The, the biggest thing was I was able to bury my grandfather, who was like uh-huh. my father to me. And that was, that was something that hit me like a ton of bricks. And mm-hmm. I always look at, you know, God works in mysterious ways. We Everything happens for a reason. Um, so I was able to do that bury my grandfather who means the world to me. He's like my hero. Um, then I was able I was able to go out, like I went to Clemson, I went to University of Washington, I went to University of Oregon. I was taking it as like a sabbatical because I knew I was going to get back in. Like I, I didn't have any questions about getting back in. But what happens is, what happened? We have a pandemic. I was in Vegas at the Pac-12 tournament when the pandemic hit. So now there's no jobs. Right. There's no jobs to get because no one was really getting fired. You might've had an assistant here or assistant there, but there were no jobs to get. So there weren't any jobs for me to get. And I had some job offers before I even took IU. So I had offers. It was just, it wasn't what I really, really wanted. And I'm a firm believer in when you're at a job, you do that job. And I felt like because I had went through the ropes, I had been through Sanford, uh, Junior College, Portland State, Seattle University, and you know, you start going on private planes, you want to still stay on those <laughs> private planes. So I'm just being honest with you. Fair um, enough. I felt like I wanted a high major job and I felt like I deserved a high major job. Now, had I not gotten IU, I would have took something of lesser degree and I would have done it to the best of my ability. And maybe I wouldn't have thought about come going to a high major. It would have been in the back of my head. I would be lying to you if I said that I wouldn't have been thinking about it, but just to have the opportunity would have been great. But the last two years, I've done a lot of workouts. I've been working kids out. I've worked out a lot of NBA guys. I have relationships with NBA guys that I've worked out. So it's just been great. And I've probably been the only coach that's been able to see actual high school basketball. Right. And that probably helped a little bit with the job, too, because I was able to go to some of these tournaments. Obviously, Atlanta has never been in the pandemic. They've just been open. <laughs> so... Um, it, it, it was good because I got to be on ground level, man, and got to meet kids, meet parents. Um, obviously, everybody always talks about Jabari. People, to kind of give you guys a history so people can talk about it, uh, well, really stop talking about it. He, his brother, his dad and I played in high school together. We graduated in high school together. So he's really not my nephew. You know how, you know, it's kind yeah. of like nephew, uncle. You're you know, you're uncle yeah. yeah, I'm Uncle Yah, exactly. Um, and it's funny because his dad was like, I need you to help me in this recruiting process. And I'm like, why? 
And he was just like, because I need to know where I need to send my son to help him best with his ability. You know, because when he went to college, it was it was different. Even when I why I went to college, and he don't know the coaches. Like you don't get a chance, you don't get a chance to get to know these coaches really just by telephone conversation. And he knew that I knew those guys, so I was working them out, and we would talk about schools. And I mean, he ended up going to Auburn, which <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, look, we hate everybody. Yeah. I know you. You know, we hate everybody <laughs> if we're not Indiana, so we hate them too. Yeah. All right, listen. Um, I can't thank you for being honest, as honest and forthright and not avoiding any of the, the questions. I appreciate no, that. So never. let's put that behind us. Okay. And let's go to... Can we really put it behind us this time now? Are we good? I, th- I think so. And look, we've we've had other IU players on in the past who had something go wrong with their IU career yeah. and, and had waited sometimes decades for IU fans to hear the whole story, their side of the story, the complete context. And with you being totally willing to go into this with us, we hope that, you know, however many people are listening, that now they understand it. They talk to some of their friends and family who are also IU fans. And we really do hope this helps put it behind it for for all of us, or at least most people who tune in. Because we, we think this is the best way to go forward rather than keep this coming up every once in a while and people not knowing what the whole story is. And- and also, you're a Hoosier now. Like I said this yeah. online, I don't get to hire the assistant coaches or the water boys <laughs> at Indiana. Oh. They hired you. You're wearing the IU Trident on your shirt. You're proud to be there. And we're going to support the hell out of you because that's what we do. And I, I appreciate the honesty. I really do. All you can expect from somebody is them to be honest with you. So, and I'll tell you this. I don't hold anything that you thought against you because you have a right to think that. Because when I read it before, I was just like, like, that don't sound right. So I get it. So okay. I I don't, people can have their opinions. I just wanted to make sure that people understood. First off, I was never investigated by the NCAA ever. So that should tell you then like, okay. And, and look, I, I'll be honest with you. I've had conversations with other people at Indiana about you mm-hmm. and they have said that in spades. Like the, yeah. the, the diligence that went into checking you out was as diligent as it could be. Yeah. There wasn't even a yellow flag from anybody in your past. Like you are universally liked and respected, including by the current Alabama athletic director who who was there when you were there that said like, well, look, I mean, it was just the new coach didn't want to keep him, but it had nothing to do yeah. with that. Like it had, no. so uh, I get it. And now I want to know, when did you fall in love with the game of basketball? Uh, you know what's funny? A lot of people don't realize my dad coached for eight years at Tennessee State. So he coached Anthony Mason. I can remember going with my dad to Puerto Rico and watching Anthony Mason and Patrick Ewing play against each other. Wow. So I felt I've been in love with the game since I was really born, since I was a little bitty boy. My dad played, uh, my grandfather actually played baseball. My 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 dad's dad actually played baseball for the Milwaukee Braves. He was a pitcher. So I used to love the Reds, the Cincinnati Reds, believe it or not, because I was living in Tennessee. But wait a minute, on the Milwaukee Braves, was he a teammate of Hank Aaron? You know what? I guess he was. I mean, I have to go. I have to ask. I think the timing would be right was. somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around that time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, 
I've been in love with it forever. It's just been since I since I was born. I basketball basketball was everything. Basketball and baseball. Honestly, I actually was better at baseball than I was basketball. And my dad still don't forgive me to to this day for not pursuing baseball. But I was just in love with basketball. But were you a Braves fan back then? Yes, I still am a Braves fan. Please not talk about it. We, 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 <laughs> but wait, I got to know, because like we're, we're about the same age. I think I'm a couple years old. I'm 43. What are you? I turned 44 the other day. Oh, yeah. All right. So we're the yeah. same age. So yeah. Dale Murphy was the player, Oh, yes. Right? Dale Murphy, yes. Bob Horner. Face. Did you collect his cards? Yes. Dale Murphy, Bob Horner. Bob, Bob Horner. Horner. Who else? Uh, Glenn Hubbard was my first glove that I got. But uh, then... But then when you became I mean, like a teenager, then it was the crazy Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz. Yeah. Like, like the greatest pitching staff ever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how how in love? Oh, do we have do we have a twin coming over to you? <gasps> yes. Who do we have here? Which one is this? This is Jace. Hello, Jace. Hey. Hi, Jace. Hey, hey look. What a cutie. Hey. Hey. What a cutie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't bother Jace. Jace is quiet and content. Yeah. Just enjoy yeah. it. Be hanging with dad. Have you started the individual workouts with the twins yet? Some calisthenics? Where's that at? We just, you know, right now we just, we, what are we doing? Trying to do a little exercise, a little crunches, you know, trying to get them some abs because they little bellies are sticking yeah. out. <laughs> All right. So you're a baseball, basketball guy. You gravitate towards basketball. And when does it become apparent to you that it's not just something fun to do, but you're really good at it? Uh, let me see. I think... When? Oh, I'm trying to think. When did I think I was going to be good? I think it was the first Tennessee State camp. No, you know what? It was my first Vanderbilt camp, Jeff Turner camp. Okay. I got MVP of the camp. Wow. And I think that was when I was like, okay, I can be pretty good. My dad always told me that I was pretty good and that I would never be as good as him. But <laughs> I, think, I think it was – what grade was I in? I had to be in the fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, and it was a big camp. It was a big camp in Nashville. I remember it like it was yesterday. I got the MVP, and I think that was when I was like, okay, I'm pretty good. So I started going to the playground like, yeah, I can play. <laughs> <laughs> and growing up in Atlanta, was it all about Dominique Wilkins for you? <sighs> see, you see, you bring up things that hurt me. Now you, I was an Atlanta Hawks fan for the longest of time, and then they traded Dominique. Mm. So it hurt. I've always been a Michael Jordan guy. So yes. you know, I've been a Mike, but I was a Dominique guy too. So, but yeah, growing up in Atlanta, man, it was, it was Dominique Wilkins, Doc Rivers. I mean, we love the Hawks. Spud we, Webb, but let's not forget Spud. Spud Webb, yeah. Now, uh, college-wise, obviously your, your dad there at Tennessee State, did you have a college that you really rooted for or were you more like just interested in whoever was playing good ball like IU? Um, I like Temple. I liked IU back then. I liked Georgetown back then. Uh, all these were good teams in the 80s. And those were, those were the teams I really rooted for. I always liked hard-nosed coaches. I've always liked hard-nosed coaches that, because I knew I needed the discipline um, as growing up. And I always, I always liked guys that was a little tough and a little nasty, because I felt like I was a little nasty when I played. So, I mean, I wouldn't have, coach could have yelled at me. I would have been, <laughs> been all right with it. Um, so, now, now it's time for, and, and this has got to be such a valuable experience. 
you're getting towards the end of high school. You're thinking, where am I going to play college ball? Um, and, and now that you're on the other side of that and you're doing the recruiting, you can really understand that mindset. What was it like for you back in the day? And no, you ended up going and doing um, Juco ball and stuff first before finding your way eventually to Oregon. But how did you navigate that from, from high school all the way through? Um, I think I didn't want to go to junior college. I think sure. everybody that was from Atlanta, we all wanted to go to Georgia Tech because of Kenny Anderson and all those guys. So yeah, I forgot to mention Georgia Tech. So I'm, I'm, I'm I lost. I forgot Kenny Anderson, Dennis Scott, and um, Oliver, right? Oliver, Brian Oliver. Like mm -hmm. we all wanted to go to Georgia Tech. And I think what happened was Cameron Dollar, who I coached for from Seattle, who was from Atlanta, he went to UCLA. Right. Then Sharif, which is one of my best friends, Sharif Abdul Rahim, he went to Cal. Mm -hmm. So now we started looking at the Pac-12. And it's funny, I was looking at it one day in junior college, it was like 27 guys that were in the NBA from the Pac-12. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how the whole Oregon thing kind of, I'm like, man, I'm going to the NBA, so I'm gonna go to the Pac-12. You know, so so is that that just like, you know, being the best player on your team kind of at each stop along the way so you could you could kind of rise in visibility and credibility and eventually land at a, at a power six school? I'll be honest with you. I wasn't the best player on my team when, when I went to, when I went to. Uh, so I went to Okaloosa Walton first. OK, I went there and I went to Butler and I, a lot of people don't realize I set out at Butler. And oh, I, I was sitting up with Steven Jackson. Lee Nalon was on that team. So I wasn't the best player on that team. I'll just be honest with you. I, <laughs> I was pretty good, but I wasn't the best player on that team. But it really gives you a perspective on things. Um, obviously, you have something, a story that you could tell these kids when you're recruiting them because you've been in their shoes before. I know what their dreams are. There's not a room that you can go in as a college coach and you ask the guys that are on the team, you ask them, who all is going to go to the NBA? Who all wants to go to the NBA? Every last one of them going to raise their hand. It's just, you, you got a better chance of being the president of the United States. I mean, that's just, that's just being honest. I mean, it's a hard league to get to, but me having a story and me going through some of the same things that they've gone through and basketball still could, could get you the things that you want, even if you don't go to the NBA. Maybe not 20-acre house, or, but you can, right, get, right. you can get a nice house. So a lesson in humility is always an interesting thing for a young person. And yeah. you just now talking about realizing you were not the best player on that no, team. When, when did you kind of get hit? Was that the moment where it kind of hit you like, oh, maybe these NBA dreams aren't so realistic? And how'd you handle oh, no. it? Does, it didn't hit me till I was about 26. <laughs> I, was, I was sitting on the stairs of the CNN Center uh, Sharif had got me a workout with the Atlanta Hawks. You know, I thought I was good. And, you know, obviously I, I, I knew I wasn't going to make the team, but I, I at least thought I could go in there and try to show them up a little bit. I think Smush Parker, a couple of those guys were in the workout. And then I walked out and, and they were going to the, the bus to take them to the hotel. And I was just waiting on um, my friend to come get me at the time. And I'm sitting on the steps of the CNN building. I'm like, man, I'm tired of this deal. I'm not making it to the NBA. So I called my junior college coach, Steve X. And I told him, you know what, coach? I always told you that I wanted to coach. I'm done with this whole going overseas, trying to come back and trying to make it to the NBA. Like, I was done with it. So I said, well, I'm going to coach. So I, I want to get back to 
why you wanted to get into coaching, but we should go down to Brazil for for a question, right? And and what was what was that I like? Get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I did see your wife leave the room a moment ago, but we won't we won't tempt fate. But just going uh, to a completely different culture. A completely different language you know what what did you gain from that experience as a human being and what's the atmosphere around basketball games down there it was crazy it was crazy it was nice um it was a um it was a great experience culturally uh, basketball at that time you know nene hilario was playing um it was a little speedy guard that played for the uh the sonics i can't even think of his name uh it was some good players at the time it, it was fun. Oscar got to play against Oscar Schmidt, probably considered yeah. one of the basketball players there is. Um, but it was it was fun. It was fun. It served its purpose. It served its purpose. All right. So then you you do make the the transition into coaching. And like mm -hmm. Ward was saying, when did you know you wanted to get into coaching? At what point did that become something that was a reality for you? Well, I know I wanted to get into coaching when my dad was coaching at Tennessee State. I was mm -hmm. watching my dad out there, watching Anthony Mason and just – I knew that was something that I wanted to do. I don't know why. I just said, you know, we all want to be like our dads. So that's kind of what happened. And then the journey, and we don't need to go with, through every step of your journey, but you went to a bunch of different places. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about Oregon and Samford. And um, did you ever lose hope or sight of landing in the, in the, the Power Five big time school or were you just a guy who had laser focus like every step is a rung on the ladder to get me there I didn't really even think about it when I first went coaching in junior college I really wasn't even thinking about it I was just happy to be coaching happy to be helping kids obviously helping happy to be sharing my story and it just kind of it just kind of happened and as you as you start coaching now it's like okay you know I would have never left Oregon if we even had to leave I mean it's my alma mater at the end of the day and I just think Coaching, you never know. You never know what's going to happen in coaching. You never know. So all those places that I went were places that I was happy to be at. And it was just a next step into the next step, basically. I do wonder, and Eric and I have gotten to talk to quite a few of the assistant coaches from the previous regime. And now we've known Dane, Dane through the show too. But what's, what is something about being an assistant coach that you just wish more fans understood? Good, good or bad about what your life is, what your job is? Uh, it takes up a lot of your time mm -hmm. and it's not very easy. And uh, coaches that are married, I mean, you take away from your family. Like the person that you're with becomes a single, single mom for the most part. And mm -hmm. you kind of fill in the space, fill in the gaps where you can. Uh, I think that's the hardest thing that people, the strain on your family. That's probably one thing that I don't think people get. That mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a strain on your family because you're, you're working. You're working every day because you're trying to build a program. You're trying to build a program, trying to win championships and you take on other kids you take you take on other people's kids and they become like your nephews or sometimes your father figure sometimes your big brother and if you're not strong you lose sight of what you got going on at home with your own family because mm. you lose time with them and 
and obviously your wife, maybe you could tell us how you met, but she knew she, what she was signing up for, right? And 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 she's she's there. I see she's off camera. But but is that just something that it's understood going into it? And and so it's it's not something that oh, this isn't what we expected. This is the lifestyle. Or did you meet before coaching? I don't think you even, even if you did, it wouldn't even, it don't even matter. You don't know until you get into it. Cause you don't know, it's, it's different in different places. So, mm. I mean, you just roll with the punches and try to get it figured out. All right, I wanna, we're gonna, we're not gonna take up too much more of your time, but I wanna get to know you off the basketball court a little bit more. So just some questions. Uh, we know now that you don't eat meat. So you're a, you're a pescatarian, that's good. Music. You got one album or one artist to listen to on a deserted island. Who are you picking? Mary J. Blige. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. And, like and that it. sounded like it was echoed off camera too. <laughs> Mary J. Okay. Okay. Right. Um. What now? We're gonna we're gonna ask you what your favorite all time movie is. But first, we have to start with you have heard of the movie and seen the movie Hoosiers, correct? I have. I have. <laughs> good. Good. Some of your players X haven't. X yeah. X hadn't even heard of it, so that's on you guys to take yeah. care of that this offseason. Good, good. Now, what's what's your favorite movie besides Hoosiers? <sighs> My all-time favorite movie. Or just one you go to late at night and you want to wind down while you're you're ending the day. It's on, you watch it. Oh, it's crazy. What movie is it? I don't even know. I, I can't even think of a movie that I what about above, a above the rim. Above, above the, the rim. rim. Great. Great. What about a TV show? Are you a TV show guy? Uh, am I a TV show guy? What's wrong, buddy? Uh, what TV show do I watch? I'll just watch ESPN, man. I'm a basketball junkie, so I don't right. watch anything else. Uh, if, it, if you aren't focusing on basketball, or is it? Oh, what's up? What's up? Nice. Hey there. I would be scared if I was looking at this on our side, too, by the way. <laughs> I wouldn't like that. Uh, do you have any other hobbies? Is there anything else that you collect? Oh, all the time. I love to work out. Really? Oh, yeah, nice. I love to work out. Yeah. I love to work out. This guy's a machine. All right, listen. Here's Jaleel. All right, oh, Jaleel. Jaleel, time for your close-up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read you a Look, quote. Right there, buddy. Not at the lights. Look. Say hi. Hey. Hey, bud. Hey, bud. Welcome to Bloomington. Hi. You're hi a Hoosier now. You're a Hoosier now. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so, Coach, I read on your Twitter... Um, it was in reference to uh, someone who was important to you. And you, you wrote this, and I wanted to ask you if you remember who you wrote this about, because I think it speaks a lot to who you are as a person. You said, always look a man in the eyes and give them a firm shake. Always present yourself in a professional manner, no matter the circumstances. Don't let your attitude be the reason you don't make it. And you said, thank you, I listened. Uh, it's funny, that was... Uh... Jarvis Hayes, Jonas Hayes, that works at Xavier. Yeah. Him and I, we all went to high school together. We went to high school together. His dad was a scorekeeper. That he was all he was a scorekeeper for all the years that we were all there. It's funny we have, I think we have five guys from my high school that are coaching high major basketball. Wow. wow. Yeah. So his dad died four years ago, and he was just talking about his dad, and he and those was one of the memories that he always told me. He always told me that every time he talked to me, he would always tell me that. So it was just one of those memories of, of something that he had told me just 
something because Jonas was talking about it on Twitter and I just right. put it out. Yeah. And is that well, something that you try to pass on to the kids that not just not just your little ones in a few yeah. years, but the kids that you recruit and that play for you? No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No, I mean, that's what it's about. Obviously, it's about wins and losses, but it's also trying to help young men become functioning members of society, period. I mean, life is hard, as you guys know. They have no clue. You have no clue when you're sitting in those in that locker room what is life, life is going to bring you. So our job is obviously to win games, try to help them reach their dreams, but also try to get them prepared for life because life is hard. It's not easy. <laughs> Things happen. <laughs> well, life is definitely not easy when you're down the hall from Dane Fife. I mean, yeah. that is that yeah. is for Snacks. Sure. Snacks. Yeah. Lock up your snacks. Snacks, <laughs> snacks is coming. Listen, we're going to let you go. You've been more than generous with your time and your uh, bluntness and, and honesty and transparency. <laughs> Look, I judged you on information that was out there that all I had. Uh, I jumped to a conclusion. Um, and like you said, like people are right to, ha they can have their opinions, but I'm also not pig-headed enough to not say, let me get to meet the guy and hear his side of the story. And uh -huh. everybody that I've talked to about you, 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 you have done your family well. Thank um, you. Thank and you. I, I got to say, I'm proud to have you as a Hoosier. We're going to support you and the team any way we can. Uh, and we can't wait for these two little ones in 18 years to be in the top 100 and come to Indiana as well. You're going to be doing some. They might play baseball, though. Well, right. well, hey, we got hey, a baseball great, great baseball team in Bloomington now. I try that. All right. And, and and I'm envious of both of them and, and you and your wife to, to be raising your young family in Bloomington. We think it's the greatest town in the world. We love getting back there whenever we can. And I think you guys are going to have, have a wonderful setup there. All right. Thank you, guys. Coach Yaw, thank you so much, man. Good luck. Good to luck. You, you guys didn't get me in trouble because Coach Wilson called me, so I'll talk to you guys later. Oh, oh you, oh. Wait, you <laughs> didn't call? You didn't take a Coach Woody call because you were talking to us? <laughs> Blame us. Throw uh, us under the bus. Throw uh, us under the bus. I love it. First time ever. Bye-bye, man. Right. Bye, guys. Take care. That was a guest. That was a guest. How are you feeling, Eric? You know, I was excited to do this one because I wanted to – look a guy in the eyes and, and talk to him face to face. Um, I thought that he was extremely forthright and gave his side of the story. Uh, you know, I, I, I reacted to what I thought at the time. And I still think some of what I said, I, I believe in, in that just some of why I was reacting the way I reacted was because of the perception of it. And I just right. didn't think that it was smart for Indiana to go down that perception road. Optics. Yes, which I think matter. Um, but I didn't know anything. I knew what I read and what I had heard from a few other people. And what other people would read or find or see with a, a cursory search on who this man is. Exactly. But look, he's a man. He's a, he's a grown ass man who is confident in himself. He's not hiding from anything. He answered every question. He gave his opinions. He's respectful of people that disagree. Um, I, what more could I ask for, you know, from, from that, you know, I wish he wouldn't have been in that room. You know, I wish he wouldn't have been in that room. And he I, does too, clearly. Yeah. I appreciate, um, I love him talking about Kenny Payne. I'll be honest with you because Kenny Payne and Wes have been Darth Vader and the emperor, you know, as much as you can be, uh, in this dark underbelly of college basketball for fans like me, who I think 
on some level have this, you know, arrogant, I'll say, approach to who we are at Indiana. And I've tried to be better about that over the years. But there is part of that that is an arrogance to we do things the right way, the Indiana way. And I really respect him for just hitting it right on the head and being like, look, Kenny Payne is one of the best men I've ever met. You yeah. Know? Um, I really, I have a respect for Coach Yad that I did not have before. And I will support him to, to the end until he doesn't deserve the support. But right now he deserves the support and so do the players. So I feel much better. How do you right. feel? Good. Yeah, to me, it's like, I want to get to know the guy. Because if there's anything we've learned, there's human beings behind the headlines off the court, the stuff we see 99% of the time and are fortunate to get to do this and be like, I really like him. I felt very engaged in the conversation with him. And this is a man who is an ambassador for the university and is largely responsible for going out there as an emissary on behalf of Coach Woodson and and getting these players interested in the first place and helping sell the vision and the program. And then Coach Woody can come in to close the deal. So I just wanted to be like, well, how does he engage with people? And I thought he was he was charismatic and really had, you know, just a lot of presence about him that I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see why why a recruit would would talk to this guy and hear what he has to say and hopefully get to that next level as far as what happened to him it seems you know I, the way he talked it through a friend of mine who i really trust said hey this guy wants to be an agent he wants to know who's coming up through atlanta that he should know about it's like, yeah, it seems like it is a business where it's so much about relationships and connections and doing a solid for your guy, because that will always come back around and help you in the long term, that it could have happened to anybody. And it was very much the wrong place in the wrong time. But even that being said, is he he learned a huge lesson. And unfortunately, it was a really hard lesson that he had to endure for a couple of years. But I am genuinely happy for him as a person and as a, a, a husband and father to have this shot at ultimate redemption, that despite being in this place where he was very aware of this public perception of him, that, you know, if it had been me, I'm sure I would have spent a lot of nights lying in bed wondering if I was ever going to get a shot again at my dream because I made an innocent mistake and that moving forward, his guards up like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going to go into a room with anybody in, in any kind of murky situation. So I, I feel really good about it, not just in terms of how he addressed what had happened, but just this personality, this human being, being one of the four coaching members of the Indiana University staff. I'm I'm all in. All right. Just to explain every to everybody what just happened, Ward just said he's all in. And while he was saying that for about the last minute of Ward's comment, I was reading my phone where Holly, my girlfriend, was telling me in a voicemail that she was in a car accident with all my kids in the car. Everybody's fine. It was a little, uh, they got rear-ended. They were at a stop. They got rear-ended. Everything's fine. But believe it or not, there are some things that take precedence over Indiana University basketball, even for me. And the girlfriend and all three of my kids in a car accident is one of the things on that list. 
I, I can't believe you just got up and left. <laughs> I thought we, we really had a nice thing going, but I'm glad they're okay. They're all okay. And now let's go back to uh, talking about Coach Ya. So I thought about it. I've had like the night to think about it too. And I think what you had said really rang true for me, which is just trying to judge him on on talking to him for almost an hour and a half. What did I get from him? Well, I got a really warm personality, mm-hmm. a really engaging personality, a good sense of humor, somebody fun to talk to, clearly somebody who cares deeply about Indiana and the opportunity that is in front of him, which you know, even he was saying like, I'm not going to, you think I'm going to blow my livelihood, especially (laughs) now with the two kids, which are adorable. Man, they're cute. I think, you know, people change, circumstances change. And and look, I'm not even saying he, he maintains he did nothing wrong. I have to say like going into this, I was kind of hoping that he would say, you know what? I made a mistake and I wish I wouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have been in that room. But as I thought about what he said, I do respect him for going, no, look, I, I don't think I did anything wrong. In college basketball, you have to talk to bad people. That's just where we're at. And you can decide how you react to those bad people. You either do something really bad or you do not. And according to Coach Ya, he did not do anything bad. He was upfront with Alabama about it. And I'm going to take him at his word. I mean, I've got no other reason to. It doesn't change what I felt at the time, because where I thought Indiana should go, but I don't get to make those decisions. And something that that I've read a lot recently, there was a post on Peegs with, which I was flattered by, and I'm sure you were too, of people just volunteering their favorite episodes that we've done, you know? Yeah. Which really is like humbling and gratifying and Awful. Well, it has it, it has nothing to do with us. So that, that no, takes it doesn't, the pressure off. Sure. In fact, we detract from every episode. But, you know, a couple people talked about Sharon. Mm-hmm. And I thought a lot about Sharon over the last, you know, 24 hours since we talked to Coach Ya, because I clearly had an impression of Sharon going into that phone conversation. And I um, was wrong. You know, I, I felt a certain way about Sharon and hearing his story, and also over the last no, couple of years almost, getting to know Sharon and having several conversations, being able to meet him face-to-face. People do things, people make mistakes, people learn, and there's no reason why I shouldn't, you know, take Coach Ya at his word. He's right, the NCAA never investigated him. He never had any sanctions against him. Um, all of his former employers speak highly of him. And, um, you know, I know some people will want me to like take back what I said. Like you can't, I love when people say I take back what I said. You can't take it back. No. And look, it's, it's not about like, Oh, I I didn't mean it. It's like my understanding of the situation in this case, the person has evolved, you know, because to, to me, even I was like, well, people should know that he's on this FBI transcript that was in court like we should we should know it's a public institution it's all our beloved alma mater or the school we root for let's put it out there so everybody knows what we're getting into but at this point like you know i said in terms of being all in it's i'm a fan we get to do this and i still will always think of myself as a fan and there's so little we as fans can do to help the program but there's nothing more important than supporting the program 
And yes, if it's been three or four seasons and the product on the court is miserable, then it's our duty to speak up on behalf of the the entire existence of the program and the future of the program. But in this case, we are in the infancy stages of this staff, this regime, and I just want to be full-throated in support because all I have to do is like, imagine me talking to Kenny right now or Dane right now or Coach Ya right now or Coach Woody right now, hopefully someday Thad Mata. And I'm like, holy shit, I love that I'm getting to talk to all these guys because of their personalities. And then we see what the results are in terms of bringing guys in and once they got on the court. But I'm just so stacked, I'm so stacked. I think our staff is so stacked that I'm stoked uh, that these are the personalities. Staff stacked, stoked. That's what we are. Yeah, Um, I walk into the room with all these guys and I'm like, I really like these guys. I will also say the other illuminating part for me was digging in a little bit on the Kenny Payne World Wide West stuff. And I think Coach Yam made it pretty clear, like, he doesn't have the relationship with Wes. Like, that's not his relationship. He worked with Kenny Payne, and mm-hmm. he's very close to Kenny Payne, and he it's his mentor. I mean, that's what he calls him. You know, and, and you know, Kenny Payne and World Wide West, to us as Indiana fans, they're like Voldemort. It's like, that's how we look at them. We don't know anything about them really, but we think they represent something about the game that we don't like. And I know that I've heard things behind the scenes of how, you know, Wes operates and and I've never loved that. But clearly this man, Kenny Payne, has meant something very valuable to Yasir in his development as a adult, you know, and as, as a man. And I like seeing Yah say that and really have a lot of conviction and is like he is a wonderful man and i get it he was a kentucky guy and you guys should feel the way you do as indiana fans but that is a great man and i won't have anybody disparage him yeah and and good for him you know um so i liked that i i like that he cleared up a little bit of the west conversation um you know it's well, interesting look, I, one th- but on the on the Kentucky thing, he said something that you and I have discussed, I think, off air. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the show, but Kentucky is just such a factory of getting guys to the NBA. We've conceded reluctantly that they, they don't really have to do anything all that shady to get those guys there. Because at this point, they're like, do you want to come here and be one of the 37 guys we have in the NBA? Like, we don't need to That's pay fair. you anything or do anything, yeah, I you look, know. We don't know exactly what's going on. I would, I, 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 you're right. They're not doing what LSU is doing. Right. You know, they're not doing that. Like, they're not desperate for one guy, you know, that can make a difference between, like, making the tournament and not, and therefore my job or not. So, I agree with you. It's like, we hate Kentucky, and I'll always hate them, but you're mm-hmm. right about, about that. We don't want our program to be Kentucky. We would like the success, some of the success of Kentucky over the last <laughs> decade. But I did, I respect him for hold, standing his ground. I respect Coach Yao for taking every question and not hiding and not really dishing out cliches. I like that he said, you know, he was pretty clear. He was like, look, I was, I trusted the guy who set up the meeting, you know, and he meant something to me. And look, do I wish that FBI agents weren't in the meeting? Of course. But he maintains, I did nothing wrong. Therefore, I don't regret being in the room. I regret the fallout for sure, but he can't control the fallout. Um, 
And I like hearing him talk about Indiana and the love of Indiana and knowing where he was when Keith Smart hit the shot. That he's was clearly, huge, right? Yeah, he's a student of the game, you know, which I love. You know, we well, love and, talking to people that are students of the game. And he's our age. And, and we remember where we were when Keith Smart hit that shot. And that's one of those things where you're like, okay, well, he, he never played at IU, went to IU, or coached before at IU, but he truly appreciates stepping into the situation, the history, the tradition. You know, he wanted to play at IU. So it, a guy like that is going to be so much easier to get um, in Dane Fife's way of thinking and of really selling the program and feeling about the program. So he he already had a big head start on somebody who was always just kind of indifferent to IU and oops, now I'm here and I got to figure out why people care about this place. Great point. I'll tell you something else that I found really interesting. Like everybody listening to this or pretty much everybody that's been following the offers that have been going out for 2022, mm -hmm. some of them are, have been a little eyebrow raising. Like you look at them and you're like, wait a minute, we brought in this coach yeah, to get like five stars, right? And, and big time players. And we're offering a guy ranked like 140th or a guy not even ranked. And I, as I've read that over the last several weeks, I've been like, what is this about? But then when you talk to him and you realize that for the last year, when there have been games that could be attended by someone, and as he said, the pandemic never hit Atlanta, apparently, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, I felt the same way when I went to Tampa for the bowl it's, game. It's Florida didn't hear about it. It's really close to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the fact that he has been able to see players play, and typically the AAU season and the high school season, that's when guys – stock really goes crazy and people you didn't hear of become ranked players. Well, he was one of very few tangentially attached to college basketball who got to watch them. So there's a very good chance that some of these guys that us idiots look at the ranking and go, well, they're not that good. He realizes, oh no, had, had AAU been attended by everybody, that guy's star would have been shooting through the roof. So I, I, uh, I appreciate that and actually I'm more excited by that and it put it in perspective to me, some of these offers that are going out because many of them he has seen live and, and I love that. Well, it does feel like it gives us a, a slight advantage over other staffs that had you know no turnover, nobody out there in the field, not only assessing the talent, but meeting the talent, getting to know these players a little bit, develop a relationship. And he seems to have a very clear idea of the kind of player Coach Woodson wants to have in the system to play the style they want to play. So I'm sure he's discriminating between you know, if he saw several hundred guys, okay, these are the handful that my new boss will want to have on the floor. So I'm going to get after them. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about the, um, the gentleman who was the scorekeeper for his high school games, the, the gentleman who passed away, who meant something to him. Mm -hmm. And that little quote, when I was just kind of looking at all this stuff, it stood out to me because looking someone in the eye, shaking their hand firmly, when you watch college basketball, the way we do, even on Indiana, how often did you see our players looking down at the ground when Archie was talking to them? Like I saw it all the time and it always bothers me. It mm -hmm. does. And I watch some other schools that like force you, some coaches to look them in the eye. And I just like that better. It feels like a different level of engagement. It does feel like it's a character thing about the kid and what you're trying to teach them. And the fact that that is really crucially important to coach Yah. 
I have to think, and he said it as much, that not only is he trying to teach that to any player that he's coaching, but I imagine he's recruiting players that live up to that standard too. And I know it sounds so little, but it doesn't seem little to me. It really doesn't. I want an engaged adult, young adult team that that acts like they're engaged at every moment. And and engagement is your word for the year. So we know that is very important to it you. It is. And I'd, I'd seen in a previous interview how Coach Ya, in terms of a lot of the scouting for recruiting he's doing now, so much of it does have to be on tape and that he's trying really hard to see in these glimpses of highlight reels or or you know a, a terrible view from the the upper balcony of a high school gymnasium the body language of the players yeah. going off the court coming yes. back onto the court when they're on the bench are they really rooting on their teams like he is looking in the margins for the character traits and I think that says a lot about him and of course the coach he's working for, which always, it takes me back to when his name started being circulated as a serious candidate. And there's these misgivings about his, his past, or let's just say this one incident in his past. And it just never added up to me that even more than like a great basketball mind, the, the primary thing we heard about coach Woodson of what a good man he is, what a great man he is and the integrity uh, that he carries himself with. It just didn't add up to me that if Coach Ya really was like sketchy or shady, that one, Coach Woodson would want to have anything to do with him. Uh, uh, two, Coach Woodson would want somebody like that to have anything to do with his beloved alma mater. So, but it really takes speaking to the man for 90 minutes, seeing his adorable babies, looking him in the eye as best we can over Zoom when I only have one good eye and being like, yeah, I, I think this this dude is really good people and I'm I'm excited he's part of the family now. I loved what he said about Coach Woody where Coach Woody has been like, look, if you don't live up to it, I'm going to fire you. You know, <laughs> yeah. like that's it. And, and Coach Yas got two kids to provide for now and he doesn't want to be doing individual workouts and trying to make – ends meet that way you know mm -hmm. i think we had a, a fairly honest you know conversation about what the money means you know you know oh. at, at this point in his life 44 years old you know two kids you know he's at the point where it's like sink or swim in his career and, and now he's got two people two little ones to look after that provides a whole other level of of inspiration so look i'm really glad he came on i i loved talking to him i loved hearing about uh you know, the two biggest surprises for him uh, were Trace is a really good player. Like, I like <laughs> that. I mean, this yeah. is a guy who's been working with high-level talent. So to come in and, and we see Trace put up great numbers, but to see him day in and day out and go, no, 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 he's even better than I thought. And Christian, like, yeah. I think it's funny because with all the hype of this offseason and the kind of dominoes that fell for people coming out of the portal – Christian has been really overlooked, I think, yep. in a lot of the coverage. We're focusing on Xavier and Tamar Bates and Miller Cop and Parker Stewart and the shooting. Like there's and Trace learning to shoot with his right hand and and you know, pick and popping and shooting 15 footers. We've heard so much about all that. We've heard so little about Christian. And let's not forget that Christian is the highest ranked player coming out of high school on our team. So there were a whole bunch of people who thought that Christian Lander was one of the most talented people in the country. And like Coach Yas said, he didn't get to show it his first year for a variety of reasons. But I loved hearing Coach Yas say, 
he was the second name that he brought up on how talented he is. I'm I was taken aback by how many friends of mine like disparage Christian based on this season. And I don't know if they're as tapped into like the recruiting rankings and him coming in, how much they realize coming in a year early is a real disadvantage for a skinny kid in the Big Ten. But I was always bewildered when I, I would hey, he's coming back. It's a big deal. And people are like, oh, I hope he never sees the court. I'm like, you guys just, you are you don't really understand the caliber of talent we have there. And look, uh, plenty of highly ranked recruited guys have not panned out, but it just, for the, the, the myriad of reasons you alluded to, he didn't get a chance to really show us that this year, but we did see flashes. Uh, but that being said, okay, what's going on right now? So next year, he can actually get some meaningful minutes when there's all these other talented guys coming back or or experienced guys returning. So yes, that that was hopeful. That great. That 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 guy's still going to end up being a really important part of this team, not just this coming season, but the season after that. He could be a huge part of the team's success. I also love the conversation about shooting because, you know, as stupid fans like you and I are, we're like, you got to fix Trey Galloway's shot, right? Like you just got to fix it. It's broken, fix it. Like, and coach Yahoo's job it's been for the last couple of years is to work on skill development. He's like, you know what? With an 18, 19 year old kid, it's really tough in a summer to like reconstruct a shot. And he talked about confidence. And we've heard that over and over again, that our job right now is to give these kids confidence, make it fun for them, let them know that they're good. And, and I was struck by that, especially over the last 24 hours, thinking about the interview while we were going to finish this up. Because you think about the NBA ward where the shot making is just insane. Yeah. Everybody shoots differently. I mean, it's very, it's, it's, you don't find, nobody shoots it like Steph Curry. Damian Lillard shoots it very differently than Steph Curry shoots it. Clay Thompson shoots it very differently. Very differently. Uh, Nikola Jokic shoots it differently. Like they all shoot it differently. Luka Doncic shoots it differently. Everybody does have like little tweaks and quirks to their own shot. And I am sure there are mechanical things that are necessary for the most consistent shooting. And he talked about footwork. He talked about footwork more than he talked about arm form, right? For sure. And I've heard that from other people. Your base has to be set. You have to be, you know, balanced. You have to be facing the basket. You have to be ready, loaded up because your your lift or your, your distance comes from your legs more than it does your arms. So I, I wanted to look back to, he was talking all about confidence and confidence. And here's what I want to tie it back into Christian. There is no clearer example of what confidence does to you in my mind than Christian Lander. And I think it was obvious, not by his missed threes, not by the turnovers, not by the lapses on defense, but there was a stretch at the near the end of the year where Christian Lander could not make a wide open layup. I mean, do you remember that? Like where sure. he missed several. Okay. There is no universe where Christian Lander doesn't make wide open layups. Okay. There is no universe except one right here in between his ears. It is clear. It was so clear to me watching that. And you saw him be demonstrative after missing. Like, damn it, what's going on? Like he was um, upset with himself running up the court. He had zero confidence by the end of that year. And I don't know why, but- well, 
Well, we, well, we, we I mean, we we, ju- we saw four years of of a lot of players seemingly getting less confident in their overall game, uh, and of course, they're shooting. So, to me, I think if it's the system that was being run, if it's the way practices were being run, if it was what was being said to them or not, it was just like, that was not an environment that was building confidence. If anything, it was tearing it down. I I think that is, I can't say it's not fair, but I do want to go back to what coach Yas said, which I think is fair. Look, the team was 12 and 15 last year. And there were several games where if the ball bounced a different way, we win that game, you know, um, it's a little bit of the chicken or the egg because the ball bounces a certain way. We win a game that we lost. We win the Florida state game early in the year. Oh my God. We just beat a top 20 team. Does that build confidence for the next game? And it changes things. Or I think it's a little bit of both. I think it was four years of never winning more than two conference games in a row. This was not a team that could ever build on confidence off of a good win. That's fair. I just, if anything, we saw, you know, in year two, a complete, you know, injuries, but regardless, it was a complete unraveling of confidence in one of the worst stretches we've seen in Big Ten play from this university. And then obviously at the end of this year, it was just like downward spirals were a lot more common than upward spirals in confidence. Oh, oh, I I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I just don't want to put all the blame on the coaches because I think the players got to meet you halfway too. And there was some like development stuff that is on the coaches to help the players but as we've talked to like brian evans who's like look player development three quarters of it is on the player it's like you gotta want it and do it and 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 build confidence in yourself also look at armand franklin yeah but he's the exception to the rule race thompson but if we're talking about with race i didn't see any real uh elevation in anything besides minutes for race thompson and the more minutes he got the healthier he got yeah, he maybe. just considered he, he 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 his production went up as his minutes went up armand was the only player i can really point to maybe with the exception of juan no he um, was well he juan was the same exact player as junior year and senior year the same statistically if you go back and look it was in fact his Percentages dropped a little his senior year, a little. Statistically insignificant. Juwan made a huge jump from sophomore to junior year right? when Crean left and Archie came in. And that, I, I do think that was a lot to do with, like, it became Juwan's team, you know? Yeah, but to me, it's like, okay, yes, yeah, some of it is on the players, but then what players do you have there? And what are you saying to those players to get them motivated to do that extra work? So it's either you're, you're, you're not getting the right players or you're not motivating them in the right way to get to the next level. And that's why we have a very different team. Now we're going to have a very different starting five, a very different rotation. So that's all exciting. But now this idea of confidence, what coach Woody and the rest of the coaching staff, if that's the the primary thing they're working on as they're installing a new system, I'm really excited to see what these guys look like feeling free to play their game. Besides confidence, there was another word that I actually took out of what coach I was saying that I think is the most important for me. They're trying to make it fun. They're trying to make it fun. Imagine that fun to play basketball a game i mean like 
we take it so seriously and everybody does, you lose sight that it's a game and it should be fun. There should be joy out there. And hearing Coach Yao, a coach at Indiana, talk about we are trying to make it fun. Don't get it twisted. Coach Woody is demanding as hell, but also you need to have fun out there. And, and to your point about confidence that we've seen downward spirals in the last four years, I haven't seen a lot of fun for four years out there playing basketball at Indiana. I see a lot of stress. I see a lot of anxiety. I see a lot of guys that feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. We've seen blowups on the sideline, you know, even dating back to when Justin Smith was there. I remember there was an incident between he and Trace where Trace was trying to tell him to dunk the ball, like youthful exuberant Trace. And Justin told him like, get the F out of here or shut the F up. That was Mm -hmm. caught. We caught Trace having an altercation on the sidelines with, it was Tom Ostrom, you know, he was yelling at like, there wasn't a lot of fun. It wasn't a lot of fun for them. It wasn't fun for us. And I love that that's a priority. I really do. I love yeah. that that's a priority. The number one word for my time at IU was fun. Yeah. And <laughs> and if you're a stud basketball player who, again, will get to be playing in front of thousands of screaming Hoosier fans, fun should be the operative word and confidence can really grow out of that because, and and the example yeah. that was set at the top of the program over the last four years, there's unless he was answering a question from you about flavor of gum, there was just no there was no fun ever seen in the press room on the sideline. If it was happening, it was not visible to the public whatsoever. And with Coach Woody, we all, well, I think most of us saw that few minute clip of him in Nick's practice, however many seasons ago, getting the job done, busting guys chops for what they needed to do, but kind of cracking them up too, cracking himself up with a smile. And so you, you can do both. You can get the job done while having a good time. And then what's more fun than winning and playing well for them or for us. And I would say the number one thing that fans were complaining about for this whole last regime, but certainly this last year was like, this is a freaking chore to watch. There is no joy in the thing that for us as fans is supposed to be the most fun part, the games. I I couldn't agree more. Um, The other thing I want to add, and we talked about it with Coach Yao, which I loved, the, the practice clip with the Knicks is phenomenal. But then the thing with all the players coming by and hugging him just a couple weeks ago, every player had a grin ear to ear on their face as they came over. And so did he. That was fun. It was clearly fun for him to be back at Madison Square Garden. It was fun for the players to see him and come over and give him a hug. It was fun for Julius Randle, who had a huge game, who's an MVP candidate this year, to sign his jersey and give it to Coach Woody after the game. That's all speaks to fun. And I love Coach Yab being like, I was the first to retweet it. <laughs> I was the first. I love it. it. There is an energy. And look, we know Dane likes to have fun and be silly oh. and have fun. And he's yeah. demanding. We know Kenya is a funny guy with a great personality. Like there's a lot of that going around. There was even the clip. Did you see them all singing happy birthday to Coach Yab? No. There's a great clip of everybody outside their office in the basketball offices, which we will get to. Those offices are terrible. I mean, look at the clip. It looks like they are at an H&R block in, you know, uh, Columbus, (laughs) Indiana. Like just in a strip mall, 
terrible offices that aren't impressive for recruits to come into. But regardless, Kenya, Dane, Woody, and Coach Ya, and they're singing happy birthday. Brian Walsh is in there. And then you see Fad Mata come strolling around <laughs> the corner. Like, where, where, how come I didn't make it? They're having fun right well, now. The, and the, the other thing I didn't see but I read about, because I think it was only for Varsity Club members, was when they did that 45 minutes with the yep. whole staff. And a lot of the buzz coming out of that was these guys look like they really enjoy each other. And they're having fun and they're excited. And it seemed to make all these important boosters of the program get caught up in that. And that's, that's part of if Indiana University basketball is – the the staff the players the program and then you've got the the circle of the boosters and the people around that who are really help funding the whole thing and then everybody it's just these these circles that keep expanding out and it seems again building from the core out there's just this fun confidence camaraderie that's really taken hold in a couple of months that just can't help have positive reverberations whether it be to to the rest of the fans further away from the center of things to recruits who are thinking about getting involved with this situation it's like i want to be a part of this this seems like a good time i'm with you uh you want to do the twitter handle plug no Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But the, but the sometimes, sometimes why. why. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Warden Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier 